when you first got to the varsity basketball team at Spring Woods, who was the first person to welcome you to the varsity and, and show you it was a whole new level of competition? Man, I, uh, I, was, I was not a great basketball player. Uh, you know, I, 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 was, I was pretty good on a very average team, but uh, I, I went up for a little bit my junior year. I kind of went back and forth. And then my, my senior year, I, I came up and guys had graduated. And I really thought, man, I'm going to come in and, and play a bunch. I'm going to start. And uh, right after the football season, man, in walks this guy, Robert Ferguson. And I, I didn't know who he was. I heard he was a varsity kid playing uh, a freshman playing varsity football. Mm. And I knew he could play a little. And man, he came in and just dominated. I think he was uh, district newcomer of the year. And yep, he took my spot and uh, I was behind him all year long. But it, it was it was a lot of fun. But he was the first guy that I played against uh, that I realized was just just outstanding. And then uh uh, plenty of other players throughout the year, but just in my own gym, that was a guy that was just a dude. He was a different dude. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bump my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy, and one more line, record the track just one more time, my family think I bump my head, lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough, I'm all right welcome back to another new episode of the team player podcast we got a hoops edition this week i am joined by my longtime friend i i knew this guy a long time ago when we were both uh, basketball coaches at clements high school he is now the varsity assistant of the seven lakes spartans boys basketball team and i I know he's humble. He, he won't he won't bring it up. But I did see he got some hardware recently on Twitter. So I made sure to to give him, his, you know, give him his flowers. I'd like to stay on the show as, as the assistant uh, basketball coach of the year. He was recognized as so welcome to the team player podcast, Wes Cole. Hey, thanks for having me. This is awesome. This is great. I love what you're doing, man. Appreciate it, buddy. And so if you're if you're like Coach Cole and you love what we're doing here, give us that five star review. That helps so much. Now, when people, the more of those that we get, we have quite a few, it's honestly really good. Uh, the more that we get, when people search sports podcasts, our name will start popping up so they can hear, hear these stories. If you want to leave a, an actual written review, I'll read those on the show. So go ahead and leave those. You hit the follow button to subscribe, and that way you'll get the new uh, Team Player Podcast episode in your queue every Sunday at 2 p.m. There'll be a fresh episode waiting there for you. I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, this is kind of a unique one. Now, yours is a little bit different. You're welcome to Varsity Moment is you got to the Varsity full-time as a senior, but it was actually a freshman that came in and, and kind of gave you the business. And there's no shame yeah. in that. Jimmy Hammond, you know, Jimmy Hammond, who you know well, is your campus athletic yes. coordinator. Yeah. His episode is going to be released. Uh, it's actually going to be released before yours. And he, he talked about that he played against Corey Redding, the UT star oh, wow. from North yep. Shore. Yep. And here's the deal, Coach. D1 kids are just different. Marvin Nash at San Marcos is another team player alum. He's a recruiting coordinator there. He says every year 
he brings in the parents and he says, let's look at the UT roster together. Okay. These linemen are six, seven, 300 pounds, you know, and it's kind of a yeah. reality check. And what you described about Robert Ferguson, what, what Jimmy described uh, about Corey Redding, D one kids are just, they're different. So okay. you, you, yeah, you could just tell he was, he yeah. was built different. And uh, I was like, how old is this guy? 14 years old. Like, no way. You know, I mean, uh, he was incredible. And then, you know, throughout the year, we went against some dudes uh, from, from other schools, but that, that was the first moment um, because, you know, when you're a kid, you, you don't really know what's what. Uh, that's why I try to be really patient with our guys. You know, you think you know it all and you think you know stuff. And uh, that was, you know, when I played was just at the beginning of the AU generation. Right. right. So, you know, I, I knew the kids in my little area. I mean, even I grew up in Spring Branch and uh, I, I didn't even venture to the other side of I-10. We just stayed in our little set you know, yeah. that we were at. And so uh, he was just a different kind of kid. And you realized how good he was at that age. You knew he was just going to be special. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you're going to, you grew up in spring branch. I'm going to let you kind of just describe what that was like, but then I've got lots of questions for you because I actually find spring branch ISD to be one of those fascinating districts to me in the Houston area. It's one I'm actually a big fan of. So let me just open up by saying that, you know, you, you grew up in the in spring branch in general, but more, you know, spring woods was the area that, mm -hmm. that you grew up in. Just kind of describe to the listeners kind of your upbringing and what it was like growing up in, in the spring woods area of spring branch. Well, like I said, you know, before social media, before, you know, all this stuff, I mean, you just knew your area. I was actually zoned to Northbrook. My brothers, uh, who are 10 and 12 years older than me, mm -hmm. uh, went to Northbrook and graduated like in 84 and 86. So you probably know in 85, uh, the, the bus hit and two schools shut down, which is incredible. You, I mean, we, we talk about all the growth here in Katy and growth in Texas, uh, but they actually shut two large schools down. So I remember my brother uh, talking about how he just got a thousand new classmates from Spring Branch High School. Uh, so they shut down Spring Branch and Spring Branch went to Northbrook and then they shut down Westchester. Yes. And I believe that went to Memorial and Stratford. Fascinating. Yeah. Okay, because that's yeah. what I wanted to verify with you, because I was doing some of my own homework on Wikipedia. I did see Westchester. You're right. They closed in 1985. And I, I had thought that there was a Spring Branch High School as well. Yep. And so, yeah, you're yep. validating that. So Spring Branch, I guess, was on the south side of I-10, then I take it and was. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was uh, kind of think about it in between Memorial and uh, and Northbrook. So when Spring Branch split, uh, half went to Memorial and then half went to Northbrook which are, you know, two polar opposites, you know, sure. what we think now uh, about it. But I mean, it was very different, you know, at, at that time, Northbrook's, you know, probably 3,500 kids, yeah, uh, very large and stuff. And that's, that's where uh, my brothers went. But the reason why I did not uh, is they, they also shut down Northbrook Junior. Okay. And so when they shut that down, uh, I was about to go to middle school a few, a few years later um, and so I, I ended up going to a different junior high, Spring Oaks. Uh, and then they were like, oh, you, we want you to go back to Northbrook. It's like, well, all my friends that I grew up with uh, were uh, going to Spring Woods. You yeah. know, so I, you know, I just I got a transfer and I went to Spring Woods because that's where all my friends were going, uh, even though they wanted me. Because technically, I live pretty close to Northbrook. I know you and had Coach Campbell on before. 
Yeah. Uh, and so he's talked about that area. And one question I wanted to ask Westchester, was that located on the north side of I-10 then? Or, or was it also? Uh, Westchester, Westchester is on the uh, south side. Okay. So, okay. So you had, so basically just to, for, for Houstonians, some, some people listening across the country, will, this will mean nothing to you, but for Houstonians. We had, we had three on both sides. We had three on both sides of I-10. So you had Memorial, Westchester, and Stratford on the south side. Okay, so Spring Branch was on the north side. That's where I got confused. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then you said that you were pretty close to Northbrook High School, but the distance between Spring Woods and Northbrook is not far. So you were kind of like it, in the middle, like smack dab in the middle? or Yeah, it is not far. And if you've ever, ever been in that area, uh, my mom taught at Spring Shadows Elementary, which is the elementary that's almost connected uh, to Northbrook. Uh, and that's where I went to elementary. And there's uh, apartment complexes and houses that are right in between there that kind of surround Northbrook. And uh, my mom taught right there. That's where I went to school. My brothers went to school. So yeah, they opened uh, Northbrook Junior High back up a few years later. So it was really weird because of everyone moving, um, uh, changing schools, and then kind of Katy started to blow up, mm -hmm. you know, because there was just a, a couple of schools in Katy. And then, uh, you know, at the time, it was the cheaper homes were out there. So there's a big move out that direction. Sure. And then things settled and then they started opening up junior highs back, but they never opened those two high schools back up again. No doubt. And that, that's what's interesting to me, because I mean, I, I'm a longtime Houstonian, but I grew up in Fort Bend. And so mm -hmm. when I was in school, there was like six to seven high school, you know, high tower just come on the scene. That was the seventh. You know, now they're sitting at 11. You're out in KDISD. When I was in high school in, in 2000 and graduating 02, there was like three, maybe four, if you count Cinco Ranch was just coming on the scene. Now there's right. eight. Right. So it's just, it seems nine. common. Nine, oh, nine. Now is Jordan. it nine now? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that, that, I must have missed. Is it that uh, Jordan coming on? Is Jordan. Jordan. Okay. Yep. So you got nine now. You know, Sci Fair, obviously, what, 14, you know, somewhere up in there. Yeah. Crazy. Th these suburban districts really grow, but I'm always interested kind of in these ones that I've, uh, that kind of stay relatively the same. Now, I mean, I coached in Aldine, so that's a special place. You know, there was four when I grew up, and now there's only five. Mm -hmm. Pasadena right. is another district I'm just a huge fan of. I've met so many great players, several team player podcast alums, like Coach Ojeda, Coach Solis Martinez, um, Coach Salazar, you know, Coach right. Hammond. Everyone I met from Pasadena is salt of the earth. They were, you know, I guess three for the most part. Now they added Pasadena Memorial, so they're at four, but they're holding steady. A-Leaf was right next door to us when I was in Fort Bend. It was always Elsick and Hastings for the longest time. Always. When I was in school, that's all it was. Yeah. Yep. And then you added Taylor. I know with Spring Branch, you were paired to both Aldine and A-Leaf through various points. Like Spring Branch has always kind of drifted in that yep. area. So anyhow, that's a long-winded way of just saying like, I just, those are districts that are special to me. I just, yeah. I've always had an interest in them. I just love how they're not, they're, they're, I think the cool thing when you don't expand above and above 10 high schools or nine, 10, 11 high schools, when it's four or five high schools, those rivalries can really develop. Oh yeah. So, did you yeah, feel I mean, that we, way? I mean, I always ask about rivalries. Oh, a hundred percent. You felt uh, when you played Northbrook, those were the guys that like you, like you said, we're pretty close together. Uh, so those were huge rivalries, you know, and then I know Stratford and Memorial just huge, yeah. you know, there, there's just something different about those two. And those were natural, rivalries you know we weren't opening up a school every year 
you know, because I know out where we are, it's like our big, when I started, it was okay, Seven Lakes, our big rival was Cinco. Sure. Well, I don't know if Cinco really felt that way or not. You know, Cinco right. could have felt like it was Taylor or right. someone else, you know, and, and now is okay, is our rival Tompkins or is it Jordan, you know, because they've right. all kind of pulled from, you know, where we used to pull from. And so I'm curious, yeah, no doubt about it, you know, Aldine versus MacArthur. Pasadena versus Rayburn, Elsick versus Hastings, Northbrook versus Springwoods. These are long time rivalries. We're talking mm-hmm. 30 years, 30, yep. 40, 50 year rivalries. So I'm just curious though, in a small district like Spring Branch, obviously Northbrook was your rival, but what was the dynamic with Stratford and Memorial? Did you also see them as a rival or was it just not, it was just a disconnect there? Or I'm, I'm curious about that dynamic. You know, uh, they were a, a rival. It's, uh, again, I'll go back to, man, I, I'm a kid and I don't know any different. I like, I, you know, I, I thought I grew up, you know, middle class, uh, yeah. you know, something like that. But I, I didn't realize it. Uh, you know, people said like, oh, these kids on the other side of I-10, they have more money. Sure. You know, it's like, I, I didn't know how much more, you know, or anything yeah. like that. And so I would see these kids when we would do summer league and things like that. And, you know, you could tell we were probably a little rough around the edges, Mm. You know, then, you know, we don't, we don't have, uh, you know, we're, we're, when we're 16, we may not be getting a brand new Beamer, mm-hmm. you know, or something mm-hmm. like that, that you heard stories from, you know, yeah. from the other side, but, um, you know, we, we definitely uh, wanted to beat those guys. We knew that there was only four schools, you yeah. know, in our district and uh, you know, we, we weren't always great. So we wanted to say like, Hey, we at least want to be champs of spring branch, you know? So even if we, lose to Hastings and Elsick, who we're in district with, we want to make sure we were the best out of spring brain. Absolutely. Uh, Because, you know, those were the, if you went to like Memorial city mall or something like that, that was kind of in between everything. Uh, uh, And so, you know, if you saw those guys at the movie theater at at town and country or at uh, Memorial city, you wanted to make sure you can say like, Hey, we beat you guys. Absolutely. that, that, That was pretty important. You know, one thing about me, I'm just a huge, I love the underdog story. And you grew up in this area and Spring Woods, I mean, there, there were some really rich periods of sports history, particularly, I know, baseball. Yeah. Roger Clemens coming through there. I mean, there, and I'm the longtime coach, the name of the coach is slipping. Coach Mariana. Yep. Go, yep. And long time head, head skip. Man, yeah. He was there forever. They, they've had a lot of coaches that have been there forever and done a great job. And they're just invested in the community and, uh, I mean, I tell you, like my wife went to Spring Woods. Her parents went to Spring Woods uh, in the '60s. Uh, there's there's a lot of people where you know I feel like sometimes uh, out in Katy, maybe after your kids go to college, you move or something like that. And Spring Branch, man, you stayed where you were. Like you know, there are parents, there are grandparents, there are uncle. Like they all stay, you know, in there. We know a lot of people that you know, you don't leave the branch, you know, that that's always the thing. You don't leave the branch. Uh, so it's, it's a very interesting time right now because, you know, my parents have passed away and there's other people who I know their parents are passing. So there are, there are houses that are on the market that haven't been on the market in like 50 years. I mean, right. uh, uh, my, uh, my in-laws are going to move out here, uh, by us and they're, they've owned their house for 44 years or something yeah. like that. So, you know, it's, it's a different kind of community, uh, very hometown ish, you know, in the middle of Houston, which is unique. 
you know, the thing that I wanted to ask you about is I find it really interesting. I've, I've played against Springwoods and Northbrook when I was coaching at Ridgepoint. I mean, we were in district together and I just, at that time, both schools had really kind of had begun to fall in harder times. And, you know, you described mm-hmm. some of the move out to Katie and I know that was a big factor. And at the time, you know, both schools were, you know, were struggling athletically and, but we're still great rivals with each other. But I find it really interesting getting to dig into the Northbrook history in particular of Coach Campbell a little bit. He shared with me that in the, the history of the school, which the school opened in 1975, they've gone to the basketball playoffs once, is I believe what he shared with me. And then I, I know that I read this. I don't necessarily know that it's gospel, but I, I did read this, that Northbrook High School is one of the very few uh, football programs that has never made a playoff appearance, you know, for, especially for a school that, that with that long of a history opening in 1975. So I'm just, I'm curious, I'm just really fascinated by that, you know, because most, most schools, yes, there's ups and downs, but it seems like Northbrook has, has just really struggled to, to catch on and become really competitive. Was it the same way when you were in school or? It, it was a little bit. It was, um, it was definitely, Northbrook was different than when my brother was there. Like my brother, uh, my brothers were both in band. Uh, band was like 300 mm. kids. I mean, huge, you know, now it's like 50 kids, like yeah. 300 kids were in the band, uh, had a brother swim. Um, and, uh, was you know in you know very high up in, in all the swimming and stuff you know you don't hear about Northbrook swim a lot but they were very good uh you know what we saw now kind of looking back on it is uh a bust people moving like in 85 really hurt sure. and then people moving out to Katy uh and Fort Bend and other stuff that you started seeing a rise out there um where, you know, there was nothing out there before. I remember when there was a huge gap between Spring Branch and Katy High School. I remember yeah. just 20 minutes of nothing. Right. Um, right. And now it's just all filled in. But what we had some good athletes, but we did not have the depth. Um, like, like at Seven Lakes, like we have depth. Um, if, if this kid gets hurt or something happens, we can put another guy in a spot that's, you know, not maybe quite as good, but still decent. There was, there was just a huge drop-off. I know right. it in, in basketball at Spring Woods, like we were really good in like 92, 93. That was my sophomore year, I believe. Uh, we had Grayson Avril, which probably the best player ever to come uh, out of there. He played for Texas Tech, like yeah. when they were like 32 and one that one year, back in like 95, 96, mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and we, we had a really good team, but there's only two teams that made the playoffs back then Wow! in all sports. That, that's a factor. That's a big factor. Why Northbrook was just in that time period where it's, it's difficult. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, I think Northbrook opened in the seventies, mid 75 is what I like. found. Yeah. Or 74, yeah. 75 school year. Yeah. And so it, you know, they, they were, they were good, but yes, there's only two teams that made it, you know, made it in. And I, and I'm not sure. Because I, I know for a little bit we were in there with Katie as well. Because yeah. I remember my first couple of years going against Katie, Maid Creek, and Taylor uh, at the time, uh, and then we went against like Aldine some, and then uh, like you said Hastings and Elsick. But mm-hmm. like Hastings and Elsick, we're going to get the first and second seed. I know in basketball, absolutely. You know, and so yeah. we finished third. You know, um, that year wow. uh, I think we we're like eight, eight and six in district, yeah. and we were really good. I mean, we had some good really good players uh and you finished third and didn't make the playoffs yeah uh so it it, it was really tough because we 
we did not have the the depth uh, when 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 we were in there with Hastings. This is my introduction to high school basketball. I think we uh, Hastings was one of our first games. I know it was our first district game. Um, and William Stringfellow, uh, a kid that he didn't finish at Hastings. I think he finished somewhere in Austin, but he he ended up uh, playing at Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on their freshman A team. I'm like, why is this six seven? Yeah, like kid on like he's dunking, he's doing stuff. Yeah, it's like why is he not on the JV or the varsity? And then you watch the JV come in. Yeah, you watch the varsity come in. It's like, oh, that's why. I mean, they were 15 deep. He said like they had 150 kids at tryouts uh, back like in '95 or something like that. I mean, it was incredible back then, and that's who we had to go against. So. Uh, probably not a lot of playoff appearances, you know, for Spring Woods or Northbrook. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. And then, like you said, after after the bubble hit and some kids moved out, then, you know, even once the playoffs expanded, the damage had been done in terms of the population, you know, right. having the kids and numbers. And, yeah, I remember Elsick and Hastings before Taylor was built. What, 4,000 students? I mean, just huge. Oh, easy. Mega. Easy mega 4,000 students. Yeah. Mega campuses. Those, yeah, those that, guys were incredible. Um, that, so, that, that is such an interesting – just area the fact that it's a lottery system totally agree at, i mean it is that's just a crazy area i always thought that was uh very very unique you may know stuff, chris yeah. or coach of the, he's yeah. the head basketball yeah. coach of fort ben austin he was a team player alum and i asked him that question about the lottery system and because i've always been fascinated by that kind of got his perspective but yeah they, like i said there's certain those certain schools Springwoods, north northbrook i always follow them you know, and mm-hmm. I'm always hoping for their success. I'm always just hoping. I want to see this year where, where Springwoods and Northbrook just bust through and pull off some big upsets and make the playoffs. And, you know, the cool thing is, and you know this from coaching, a lot of times at these schools that are struggling, there's high turnover. You know, you may see a revolving yeah. door of coaches. So, for you know, Coach Campbell really well. He's a team player podcast alum. He was actually uh, episode, I think, what, 17. And mm-hmm. he, he's next year's going to be year 10 for him. And he is wow, a high level is. coach, very well respected amongst amongst his peers. And he's staying there. And I just I told him on the episode, I was like, Coach Campbell, that means so much. You you could go do other things, but you want. Oh to yeah, we it. we we tried to poach him one year. Like yeah. or we had an, <laughs> we had an opening, yeah. and I called him as like, hey, you know, I know it's an assistant spot, but man, you know, I I think he's a great coach. He's even a better person. Absolutely. Um, and uh it's like man we got a spot for you at seven lakes you know uh because we're, we're trying to uh you know talk to people that we know that we trust he's like man i i got i'm i'm here you know yeah. i'm here yeah. I'm, i've been called here said hey no no problem but uh yeah turnover and turnover with kids uh right. the, the tough thing i know about those schools is you can have a stud player or two but they don't stay all four years because private schools are going to realize, you know, what's there. And then other schools are going to, you know, try to get those kids, especially in the world we live in nowadays. That's what was so unique about Robert Ferguson staying all four years. He easily could have gone somewhere else. Um, I I don't even, um, I I don't talk to him uh, much uh, at, at all. I mean, really since like one event after I graduated, uh, but I, I wonder if he was ever, you know, approached by other schools, yeah. but nowadays, yeah, he'd get approached in a heartbeat, private schools, you know, things like that. It would be tough for him, uh, to stay there. Now, my friend who, who played, who I played with, 
Joe Gibson is the head coach at Spring Woods, and okay. he graduated from Spring Woods. He's been able to keep some groups together because he had a son that graduated there with that. That was very good. That was a D1 player, and he's uh, he's playing somewhere. I know he's transferred, but he's played somewhere. Uh, and his youngest son is is a freshman there, uh, so he has a lot invested, and they've kind of he's been able like, hey, y'all went here, let's all stay here, let's stay together, you know, don't leave because it, it, it's tough because people are in these kids' ears all the time now. And so after you had you know you had a, a good career at Springwood, I mean, you guys finished third, and so you you won the you won the crown of Spring Branch ISD, but I mean, you couldn't topple the the A Leaf schools. No shame in that. Yep. After yep. your career, you decided to go on to Texas A&M University. Was that something you've, you've known since you were a little kid that, that you're always going to be an Aggie? Or, or, that, or how did you come to that decision to go to, to, go to College Station? So uh, I didn't start there. Uh, oh, okay. I, uh, I went to SFA my first year because uh, I was, I was kind of waitlisted uh, for, for A&M. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go here. I got a friend here. And, you know, I was a naive kid. Like I said, it's like, oh, I can go walk on to SFA. I yeah. can go do that. No. No, uh, went to a, a tryout and a half, and uh, they were like, hey, uh, we're going to go a different direction. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I love my time at, at, uh, at SFA, but I, I always knew I wanted to get back. And so I, I did get accepted um, at semester. And so I finished the year uh, and everything. And then I, I went to AM. My brother went to AM, my, uh, yeah. not my oldest, but my middle brother. Um, and I'd gone up there for games and stuff. And I just thought it was great. Uh, I love the atmosphere and, and all that. So I, I knew I wanted to go there. Um, I, I just uh, had, a, had a, went to SFA and then I went there for my second year. And, you know, one question I had written down and you, you already answered it for me. I was going to ask if you ever got to connect with Robert Ferguson when he was starring on the gridiron for the Aggies. And I, I guess you, you weren't. Or, or were you or at that one event you mentioned? Was it at AM when, when he was playing for the team that you got to reconnect or? It was back in Houston. Uh, it, it was back in Houston after I graduated. Uh, and he, uh, he was uh, going to, uh, I believe, Tyler Junior College because he did not go directly to AM. Okay. So um, we just talked a little because it was kind of all the old basketball guys yeah. uh, were, were there and, and he had stopped by and stuff. Uh, so I was never at AM when he was there because he I went got JUCO. You. Yeah, he went for JUCO for a couple of years, but I graduated and then I see Robert Ferguson's like, I know that guy. You yeah. know, like, so it was pretty cool. And, you know, longtime listeners of the show know that my one hobby is collecting jerseys. I have 430 of them. We, we were talking about it off air a little bit. My wife hates it. I've, I have stopped. I, I'm, a, I'm a dad now, so I've got other things to spend money on. But um, I am wearing a Robert Ferguson jersey. And I that is awesome. Yes, I love that 89, baby. Yeah. Thank you, brother. And I actually did once I I knew this because you had told me, but I was kind of like I was like, you know, I just think that's so cool that an NFL player went, and again, like I said, Springwoods hasn't had a ton of football success in recent years. I just think that's mm -hmm. amazing that like a, oh, a, a legit baller went through Springwoods. And so I, I, I was like, I got to have that Jersey. And I was able to find that. And, and he, and he did everything. He did yeah. everything there. He, uh, punt returns. He was incredible. Yeah. Uh, he was like, uh, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year. He, he was everything. He, yeah. he never left the field. He never left the field. So, uh, he really got a chance to showcase, you know, his talents. And I know, I know you listen to the show, Coach, so you probably know that I ask all of my guests, 
you know, did you know when you stepped foot onto Texas A&M University that you wanted to be a coach? So basically I'm asking, like, did you enter college, you know, intending to be a coach? And the thing that I found, coach, 70% of my guests, the answer is no. 70% of my guests, when they began college, they were not going there intending to walk out as a coach. And I just find that fascinating because I've got some of the best coaches across the country that come on this show. And so what it tells me is it's never too late. It's never too late. Don't feel like you're behind or anything. You can't catch up. Like if, if you have a heart for kids and you're willing to work hard, you can make it in the coaching profession. So I'm curious. With 100%. You, what was your, yeah. What was your background? Now, I will be the 30%. I, I will be part of the 30%. Yeah. Uh, Update my so, stats right uh, now. But I have met some of the best coaches and teachers that had no intention on teaching. Yeah. And they just, I'm not going to say they fell into it, but they went into the business world and just were not happy sure. with what they were doing. Uh, you know, you, you hear guys like Brad Stevens mm-hmm. who started off like at, I think at a pharmaceutical company or right. something. And just like, you right. know, this is not me. Uh, I, I knew that I love sports. Uh, I did not know what I wanted to teach at all. Um, I actually um, talked to uh, my coaches at Springwoods and said like, Hey, you know, I think I want to stay in sports. You know, I really just, I, I like being around teams and, and the guys. And, and uh, I thought this is something I could do. You know, what should I, you know, what should I do? I really love history. Uh, and both of them said almost at the same time, cause I was in a room together with them. They said, don't teach history. I was like, why? I love history. History is <laughs> awesome. He's like, it's great. But in Texas, football coaches are going to dominate that field and it's going to be harder for you. It's like, well, what should I do? They were both math teachers. Right. So I was like, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, pretty good at math. You know, I think I can do this. So that led me in the direction of teaching math and I couldn't imagine doing anything else uh, now, you know, uh, but uh, that's, that's kind of, I, I knew all along, my mom was a teacher. Her mom was a teacher um, so I, I, I kind of knew all along, my, really my dad, uh, my dad's job was affected by the bust, right? Uh, he lost his job, uh, 85, 86, uh, sometime around then. And, uh, I think he was out of work for about a year. Um, and then he, you know, he got a job, but it wasn't as good as before he, he came home every day. Um, now he loved us. He wasn't happy. You know, like right, you could tell right. he was not happy. My mom came home exhausted, yeah. but loved her job. Right. We could go to the right. grocery store. We could go anywhere and say Miss Cole and, yeah. and people would come up to her and you could tell she was respected um, by, by kids. Uh, kind of a, a funny little story. Um, a lot of cars, uh, my mom, uh, her school was right around, um, uh, Northbrook High School's uh, Spring Shadows was right there. And uh, there's a lot of gang issues right around there, especially in the 80s. Um, it's, it's, it's better now, but in the 80s, it was, it was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. And um, they, they were messing up cars, keen cars. Um, and uh, my mom had this one student, I can't even remember his name, but he was kind of the head of one of these groups. Mm-hmm. And it was, do not mess with Mrs. Cole's car. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and so there was one day where uh, four of them, two on each side, got messed up, and not my mom's car. 
Um, and and it was, was kind of one of those things that uh, it, she was well respected in the community. And I, I wanted that. that. That was always yeah. cool to me. Pays to know the right people. That's an awesome story. Uh, it does. Family. It does. Yep. And she so went to I, bat for that student uh, more than once. And, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, in front of people. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, C Coach Campbell also is a podcaster. He has a podcast mm -hmm. called Job 87. So I listen, I always recommend my listeners, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to Job 87. And Coach Campbell brought on one of his former players that was very candid about talking. Uh, I, he wasn't a basketball player. He was actually a football player, but Coach Campbell had taught him. And he talked about the Houston gangs, but he talked about how important his teachers were. He had a rough home life, but he really gravitated to those teachers, like your mom, you know, what you're describing yeah. there. So even, you know, kids that are, in those kinds of situations, some, some people may just cast them off, but they, they really do. They, they, they really do love their uh, adults that show them love, you know, and it, so it's really easy from the outside looking in just to say, well, why don't you just make better decisions? Why don't you do this? But when your brother, your, your family, your parents may be involved mm -hmm. in a gang or around these people, or you have to go and, and live in this apartment or this house when you're around these other people it's not as simple as just saying like oh i'm just going to do this uh so when you when you hear stories about kids that make it out of rough si uh situations i mean they really need to be celebrated absolutely and so you know when you uh when i when i met you at clemens i remember you talking about that you started your career at west side high school so way out there on the west side of uh of hic obviously aptly named west side high school and it's kind of like yep. kind of near like the old west oaks mall area like a little north of that yeah. i believe it's kind of where they can't because I, I grew up in in fort bend so our our boundary kind of butted up against there and a leaf fort mm -hmm. bend hisd all kind of met up around that area so i think it's a really great school i mean they, they've really have had a lot of success west side high school has in several different sports so i know their baseball team was really good this year and advanced several rounds yeah. in the playoffs. so what was it like because, I mean, I know sometimes HIC schools can get a bad rap in, in, in the athletics realm of maybe not having athletic periods or the same facilities or the same engagement. But like I said, West Side has really done a lot of great things. So I'm just curious, what was your what was it like for you as, as a rookie coach uh, starting your career at West Side? Uh, it was great. I, I really looked into the situation and, and this will go back to my coaches making a great suggestion for me. Um, I I. Uh, I student taught at Westfield uh, and I tried to get on there uh, uh, initially and uh, there's just no spots uh, at the time uh, in, in basketball. And that, that's really what I was looking for, but I, I didn't want to get too picky. Uh, and so I went to the job fair at HISD and there was a huge line. Uh, you had anything from janitors to teachers to whoever. There's probably like a hundred people in line. And uh, we were outside the door around the building and they were going through and asking, uh, you know, are you a teacher? What do you teach? Blah, blah, blah. And when they got to me and I said, I'm a math teacher. Um, and then I said, I was certified. Like I'd already passed my test uh, and everything. Uh, I am, they immediately took me into a room uh, mm -hmm. inside, gave me water. You want some cookies? You want this? <laughs> uh, and they said, these are four high schools. Uh, what high school would you like to go to? Cool. And okay. Yeah. And, and the closest one was to, to where I grew up in Spring Branch was Westside. Sure. And it was uh, it had just opened the year before. So this was year two. Um, and, and 
they they had a basketball opening. I went and interviewed with uh, Coach uh, Palmer, but I was kind of like I, I was there. Uh, I, I just lucked in. That was really my only interview I did, and that was it. And uh, I, I got really lucky to come into a really cool situation. Uh, HISD had not opened up a new school in like 30 years or 40 exactly. years, right? something like that. And uh, it, it was really cool. It, it was a, a fun staff. You had some veterans and a lot of young people, but everyone was so excited. We wanted to be like the jewel of HISD. And so uh, you had a lot of good people there, a lot of fun. That's one thing I find fascinating as well. And, you know, I kind of live like in the Heights area now. So I, I'm in HISD and that's why I'm, I'm interested in Spring Branch because it's kind of our neighbor district. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the schools in HISD are, have long traditions. And so yeah. I, I, what year was that you, you opened? 1998? Or something? Uh, no, I, it was like 01. 01. Okay. Was, oh, yeah. one. So I mean, it was something like that. But yeah. I believe you're correct. There was a long gap. And so to me, the only school in HIC that feels quote unquote, kind of new to me is Westside yeah. relative to the other ones. So yeah, that, yep. that's a great point. And I, I imagine it, how far was it from Springwoods? It's, it's not very far, right? Oh, it, it's not far at all. Far at all um, right? Yeah, because it's inside, right inside six, uh, right. highway six. So I mean, it. I, I had a uh, got an apartment. Uh, I mean, I, I was probably 10 minutes away That's awesome. uh, and 10 minutes away from home. So probably 20 minutes. I mean, well, from my house, yeah. if you talked about like from Stratford or something like that, it was five, 10 minutes. I That's mean, it incredible. wasn't very far at all. Very cool. Yeah. That, I'm always interested in that, that Stratford area. Like I said, it's, it's kind of where like spring branch and a leaf blur. Like I'm always kind of intrigued by like, right. where, where do these certain pockets of this area go? Which school do they go to? I always wonder that when I'm driving through there, but I'm just curious. Did you do you remember what the other three campuses were just just for curiosity's sake that you had the choice of? Um, one of them was Lamar. I remember because oh, wow. I almost chose. I that's know, a big thought one. about L Lamar. There, they did not have any openings for basketball. I see. Okay, and they said like you that they were trying to say like, well, you can go help out or something. Right. And then the other schools. Um, they, they were more inner city. I, I cannot remember. One of them could have been Jones, which is now okay. shut down. No, no longer um, exists. That's correct. Um, and I cannot remember uh, the other one. Okay. Yeah, no worries. They were, yeah. they were definitely looking for math teachers. Yeah. So you, you enjoyed it. Um, I, I know every time I spoke to you, you, you were just really kind of beaming about your experiences at Westside. And I, I feel yeah. like you came up, you, you had a certain kind of like the way that Coach Farley's talk about Kendrick Davis. You know, I feel like you had a kid that you just, I remember you kind of bragging about, and I think I saw recently on Twitter, you either, you, you had brought him out to speak to your kids or you were kind of highlighting something he did. So who, who was that star player that you had at Westside? So uh, we had a lot of good players, but Shannon Shorter is who That's I it. had okay. come and That's talk right. to our kids. Uh, I really like staying in touch with those guys. So we, we had a, we had a, we had good teams. Uh, we, uh, I thought we were really good until we went to play Lamar and Brandon LaFell. And yeah. He was an incredible freshman as well, uh, big football star. Uh, but uh, yeah, Shannon Shorter, uh, he's he's awesome. And and he was a kid. He was a really good freshman A player. But I never thought like you know this kid's going to be playing professional 10, 12 years. He was a kid that just kept getting better. And he's just an awesome person. And he uh, he lives right on that border between like A Leaf and West Side, yep. uh, and I think his his grandmother uh, lived in in the A Leaf area. And he's doing a camp. I, I know. I think it's tomorrow. He's doing a uh, a camp. Uh, 
I was trying to go work it, but I had already committed to some stuff. Actually, it's going to be this Saturday. Uh, we're going to be out of town, but uh, Shannon's doing a uh, uh, just a basketball camp for kids and making it really affordable, like $25, $50, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's a great guy that still gives back to the community um, and uh, A-Leaf, Westside, all that. Uh, but it's that's why you do it to coach really cool kids like him. You know, and I always like to talk about rivalries. And I'm sure every school probably wanted to knock you all off the block because you were the new and you had all the nice Absolutely. stuff. So everybody probably gave you their best shot. But do you kind of remember, like, who, who did who did y'all feel was your big rival? Or who were some of those top teams in, in your district that you had, like, big, big games against? You know, um, it the schools we wanted to beat, Bel Air was the school we want. Like, as coaches, we wanted to beat because Bel Air was really good back then. Uh, Lamar was also really good. It was interesting some of our kids came from Lamar, uh, West, Westbury was mm. where we got a lot of kids. I mean, that's Westbury and Lee. Uh, but because we were instantly kind of a lot better than them, uh, there wasn't a huge rivalry there. Sure. Uh, it, it was interesting, like, because it, it was so new, there wasn't the rivalries like it was for everyone else. And we got kids from all over, uh, we, we got a couple kids that were like zoned to Scarborough uh, that, that drove all the way um, over to go to our school because basically HISD, it was an open campus. Anyone sure. could go. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I remember, I remember people uh, telling me like principals telling me like, Hey, you better go uh, to the junior high track meets and go recruit some kids. And I thought they were joking. It's like, no, I'm serious. Like you better go get some basketball players uh, from, you know, the high jump. Uh, yeah. So it, it was different because we just got kids from all over. You know, it's funny you bring up Scarborough. That, that's another campus that's always kind of intrigued me, kind of like Northbrook does, where, you know, it kind of butts up uh, really against Aldine and kind of the Eisenhower, you know, uh, Acres Homes kind of area. It's kind of like butting up against there. And it's, they've had a long period of struggle as well. I know in basketball, they did have a couple good teams. You know, if they had a run there, they had a yeah. really good coach and had some good basketball teams. But football has been a struggle. So that's another one that kind of intrigues me just, why such a prolonged um, period of, of futility? But I don't know. If yeah, you have so any... you were, yeah. you were, you know, we were talking earlier about how it's easy to poach kids. Right. Well, there's two kids. Like I didn't poach them, but like, like there was two kids, RJ Jackson, who is a running back for LSU. Mm-hmm. And then Marcus Jackson, who is a quarterback uh, for SMU. Um, I believe, no, TCU. I think TCU. Yeah. Cause he was behind. Andy Dalton. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the QB two. Um, but both of those guys went to Clifton Middle School and were zoned there, but ended up coming to us because uh, you know, I think their junior high football coach got hired as one of the football coaches sure. there. They knew him. And so yeah, so I mean that that's what's tough about some of those schools is if you do have a stud, people come up right away and swoop them. Sure. And, and go to these bigger, uh, you know, I think that happened in Northbrook with um, the kid that went to uh, Tyree Cleveland, you know, Westfield. Yeah. Tyree Cleveland. Yep. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying I'm, I don't want to make it sound like a coach went to Northbrook. And sure. got him, but bottom but, line but is he, he was a star at Northbrook and he ended up playing somewhere else. However, you know, family right. may have moved, you know, but yeah, I, I get, I totally get what you're saying, but man, Scarborough to West side, that that's not like bordering. 
that's a, that's nope. a haul. So it's, it's interesting. It just, I find that fascinating coach. These kids are going to sacrifice. They get up early, take buses, you know, get rides, whatever they need to well, do. They, they took Metro, the Metro yeah. line stopped right at our school. And when we had practices, we would have to make sure practice was done at five because the last bus uh, left at five, like from Metro. Yeah. Um, so, and if we did not get that kid on the bus, he was stuck. And I, I mean, I know there was, there was, Times this was more of a Saturday issue of, you know, we had just played in a tournament and kids not getting picked up. Yeah. And uh, there's a kid that was zoned to like Madison, um, a kid that we had went to like Dowling Middle School, uh, which is over there by Madison. And I, I called his parents and said, like, hey, you know, I'm working a double shift. No one's home. You're going to have to find a way to get them home. And I drove them home. I know that in today's world, you would never drive a kid and put them in mm-hmm. your own car. But man, back then, you know, we had We've to. We've all I mean, done it. We all, I mean, because yeah. what are you going to do? The kid needs, he's going to leave. Him, that kid you know? lives 25 miles away. Yeah. I mean, he's zoned to Madison, you yeah. know? I yeah. Mean, it it, it just know, we, fascinates we had to me. Get HISD is another district I can put in there on my list of, of districts. I'm just really, I have a, a soft spot for, but I'm also so interested in just the, like those stories are common that these kids will yeah. travel such long distances um you know to, to go to the school of their choice but another unique thing about hisd i talked about the size of fort ben isd or sci fair but that pales in comparison to hisd i mean there's so many i mean you're split across more than just two i mean multiple athletic districts and i bet you being at west side say you know a school on the far east side like a chavez or something did what did you guys ever interact or was it just so far on the opposite end of the world that you didn't even you didn't feel like your district mate you know district uh yeah not, not very much i mean we were in there with like sharpstown lamar right. bel-air uh westbury but you know there's so many different levels you know because gates was like 4a like we were 5a exactly. at the time that yeah. was the highest gates was 4a so we knew they were pretty good but we never played them right. unless like at the jc tournament uh or something where all the hisd uh, schools came together like we we didn't uh play them a bunch so you know we, there's a lot of schools we never saw right you know we didn't see jones very much right uh and they were really good at the time or fur so, you know fur is an fur, old, right old, exactly yeah yep yep that's uh, very interesting last thing i wanted to ask you on your hisd tenure i just remember speaking of chavez i remember going to the mo campbell center at, in aldean isd one year to watch a regional tournament and Chavez had a stud point guard. I don't know if that was kind of in the years that you were there or not, but do, do you remember like a, a really just star point Felton. guard coming through Chavez? Felton. Felton. Yes. Uh, I keep wanting to say he, Raymond Felton, but I know that's not the same Raymond, guy. I, no, that, that kid went to, but wait, I, it was, I, I believe it was Felton and he ended up playing um, at, uh, I want to say like New Mexico, Yes, or this, something like that. This is the like kid that. I'm thinking of, because I, I know he ended up in yeah. New Mexico. But anyhow, I just I was just gonna uh, throw that flyer out there to see if if you remembered him. But that that just stuck yep. out to me is Chavez making a run all the way to the regional tournament there at Aldine and him standing out. So there. The, the the school that was big, like when our first game every year when I was a player was Milby. Milby okay. used to have studs. I mean, just absolute studs. And then they built Chavez, which kind of took some kids away. And now, you know, they're, they're not as high as they used to be, but Milby was one of those schools, man, that uh, has kind of maybe fallen on hard times, but man, they, they, they were a factory for a while. Kids, kids would uh, drive to Milby to go play. 
yeah. back in the 80s and 90s. That's cool. I mean, it's just cool. Like that was the East Side factory, you know? Yeah. So all the good players yep. in the East Side maybe consolidated there. And then maybe some, you know, West Siders came to, out to you and inner city to Lamar or Bel Air. It's just, I just, I love it. I, I find it fascinating. I'm in the Heights area and I know that Reagan, I imagine at the time, I think was really kind of struggling. So they probably weren't much of a, a factor, you know, in your, when you were at West Side, but. No, no, they're, they're, they're good now. They have a, yeah. a good coach um, Absolutely. and stuff and they've kind of rebranded into the Heights and right. everything. And I, I think they're on the come up. I've heard a lot of great things about their school in general, you know, and, and basketball. And I did find it coach and we were a little bit off. It's Jamal Fenton. Fenton Fenton. was the kid because he played in New Mexico. Yeah. But I I just remember he kind of looked like Raymond Felton. He's a little bit of a stocky point guard. Yeah. Extremely good. So yeah, pretty cool. Pretty cool blast from the past there. But after, okay. So after, after your start at West side, again, you like starting new schools. (laughs) So you, you go to Morton Ranch, so I imagine it was probably fairly new at the time. And so how did that all go? Well, it was brand new. So yeah. um, I, uh, so my, my head coach at uh, Westside was Kerry Palmer. And uh, he, was, uh, he was from the Beaumont area. And uh, he, was, he's not, he had not been in HISD very long. He was not uh, a fan of like, I'm not going to go recruit kids. If they come to me, that's fine, whatever. Uh, and he was he was happy to be the head coach there, but he's, he was looking for other jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not know that till the time, but I remember he called me in and, and uh, said, Hey, I just got the Morton ranch job. Mm. Uh, and he says, you know, do you want to come with, me? Yeah. Uh, you know? And I was like, yes. Uh, he said, Katie's a great district. Uh, I know it's known more for football, uh, but I'm going to get it going, blah, blah, blah. So I went with him. So my first three years I was there and then I spent four more years with him at Morton ranch. So that's how I ended up there. I wasn't really looking to go anywhere. Right. Uh, but I thought it was a, a cool opportunity to uh, be with him. And, you know, you're, you're the second, uh, team player podcast alum that has coached basketball at Morton ranch. Cause, uh, Chris O'War was there more, yes. much more recently and, and had was on very, very good teams while he was there. What was yes. your experience like? Was it, was it tough? I mean, you were there at the very beginning. So was it tough or did you got, were you guys able to bust on the scene? It was great. I mean, we, we were good pretty much off the bat. Um, yeah. We, uh, you know, we uh, took from Katie and, uh, and uh, May Creek and mm-hmm. it was just a great combination. Uh, we had two, two guys that were kind of both studs from both schools and they ended up being best friends Wow. Uh, to, to get together. Uh, Devin Finn and Dal Kendrick. Okay. Um, and it was, it was just, it was a great combination. Those two guys were, they were awesome individually. They were awesome together. They led every pep rally wow. for their three years there. Um, and it was really cool. You had a white kid from Katie, a black kid from yeah. uh, Maid Creek that were great friends. And they, they brought the school together. Um, and that, and they were both stud basketball players. Um, and so it was really cool. And, and my freshman year, I had Kevin Foster, um, who, who is a stud, uh, after he played for me, he was varsity for the next, uh, three years. And he played at Santa Clara. He's Santa Clara's all-time leading scorer, passed up Steve Nash and everything. And so we had some players there. We, we were good. Uh, I thought we always could have been better. But we were we were good. Like we were twenty wins every year. Uh, my freshman teams were good. Um, 
So it, it was a lot of fun there. And just starting a school from scratch yes. was, was a lot of fun. And it wasn't like when we started, I wasn't there the very first year for West Side. But even if I was, you started with seniors. Um, they did not start like guys went for three years at one school and then came there. So it was really hard to start a bit in Katie. They only start with freshmen and sophomores. So you really get to grow it. Episode 14, the Brett Sniffen episode. He was the longtime head football coach at Ridgepoint. He's my mentor who I, I came up mm -hmm. under. He's now uh, the AD head football coach at uh, Belton. He talked about that and he said exactly what you just said. He said the way to start a program is to start up just freshmen and sophomores and then not jump into varsity play that next year. Because I think in Katie yeah. that I have, I think some of the new schools do jump in, jump in without seniors, correct? I think I know Seven Lakes, I believe, did that. I think they played yeah. just juniors their first varsity year in football, and it was, I think, an 0-10 season. So do you have any thoughts on that? I guess I know basketball is a little different, and sometimes you'll jump in sooner. Basketball's basketball is a little different because yeah. we don't have to have – like we, we were – our first year, we did not have seniors in basketball, but we were still 500, which we thought was great. Mm -hmm. um, and considering we had everyone coming back in football, it's a totally different animal. You know that you need grown men to play. Um, I thought it, it depends on what year the school opens and realignment. Sure. I thought what, what really hurt uh, Morton Ranch football is uh, they, they had to go, they went varsity when they had, um, you know, I, I, I can't actually, I can't remember if they went varsity, but I know they went right into the KDISD sure. district. They did not go to like a smaller district, like right. maybe like Lamar Con or something. Right. And so I can't remember. Um, they may have just junior year had a JV and not gone varsity, but because they went right in there with Katie, right, Cinco, and everyone, it was just a buzzsaw. But I know. I know Seven Lakes, which I was not at yet, they were able to start against Lamar Con. And even though Lamar Con had great school, great football team, I believe they won a state championship sometime in that in that era. Um, it, they were able to compete better. You know what? You're right. You're 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 remembering this better than I did. And I think maybe once they got into the the, the Katy district, that was more of a, a rough scene. Because I remember we played them at Clements and they almost beat us in that first game. And this was the year that we were 13 and one and went went all the way to face Katie in the regional final. They almost beat us in the first game in the rain at Mercer stadium, but I know they went on to have an 0 10 season that year, but anyhow, yeah. uh, that that's all neither here nor there, but that's really interesting coach. What you shared about starting a new school with seniors at West side. That's very interesting. I don't think I've heard that. I don't think I've ever heard of that setup. I, yeah, I've heard it, of it's the others, but it is not common. And, and I don't, I don't know exactly how this worked, but uh, Lee high school was the main school that we pulled from. I heard the last year, which is now called before, wisdom for fans. Yeah. Now wisdom. Now called wisdom. Um, the last year before it opened, they almost had two different high schools. It was almost like all the kids that are going to West side next year. And then all these other kids. Mm. So you'd really have to talk to someone that went to Lee uh, or taught at Lee, but I believe that's how they did it. So that, that must've been crazy to have like all these kids that were basically supposed to go to a brand new school yeah. the next year. I, I don't know how that happened, but it's, it's tough. I mean, look at the success that Peyto has had. Sure. And I'm not saying Peyto wouldn't have had success otherwise, but the fact that they've been at a lower classification, I mean, this last year, I think they were, they are larger than Morton ranch. Wow. Yeah. Um, 
uh, like they, they have, you know, over 3,000 kids and Morton Ranch has under 3,000 kids. One's 4A, one's 6A, or sorry, one's 5A and one's 6A. So, I mean, it, it definitely makes a difference, uh, especially when you're trying to establish, um, you know, that, that uh, culture. Absolutely. Because I mean, I, I know you, you echoed it at Morton Ranch, how fun it was to start a new school as far as setting that yep. culture. I felt the same thing at Ridgepoint. It was just cool to, to set a culture off the bat. And, and yeah, you know, your, your first group of kids, it's a little bit hard sometimes because they've come from other places, right? They've, yeah. they've come from Katy or they've come from Maid Creek, but maybe it's just an initial, and for us, it was Hightower and Elkins, but it's kind of just an right. initial growing pain just to get some of that out of them and yeah. quickly buy in. And so, yeah, we had a great experience at Ridgepoint, just, just, like, just like you did. Now, however, a couple of our guests on the show, um, I think Aislinn Garza, uh, she was at uh, Peto when it first opened and they, they brought up some of the other things about like, it is hard sometimes because you don't have all the stuff you need, you know, in, in right. terms of just all the equipment around the field house or even inside the school building. Sometimes there's some growing pains there. So I would agree with that too. Yeah. Um, we, I, I would definitely say that, you know, it can, it can be issues, but we, we had a lot of backing through KDISD. Yeah. So West side things were great. It, we did not have the funding that, right. that Katie did. So sure. coming from HISD to there, it was more of a neutral uh, kind of feeling. Yep. And now, so you, this is where our paths cross. You come to Fort Bend Clements. So I'm really curious. You came to be the, I believe you're the varsity assistant for Coach Farley at Clements for two yes. years. And I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, I know you were liking what you're doing at Morton Ranch. What, what, caught, what brought you to, to Clements? Well, I felt, you know, I've been with Coach Palmer for seven years, and he's great. He taught me the right way to do things. Um, uh, he, he was a little bit old school. He was great with organizing stuff. I, I, I owe a lot to him. He was really helpful. Uh, but I really wanted to keep climb, climbing the ladder. Um, and uh, I wanted to be a first assistant and – uh, they already had a first assistant um, there. So I was like, man, I, you know, let me look around. And I saw a job in Fort Bend. And, you know, this Fort Bend is known throughout the state as some of the best athletes sure. uh, in the state and great basketball, just incredible basketball, things like that. Um, and I was like, oh, it's, you know, I heard Clements is a pretty good school. And, you know, let me send in my paperwork. Let's see what, what happens. And I did a interview and when I was interviewing with uh you know coach Knowles he kind of made it you know sound like hey coach Farley he's been here for a while I think you can be here and help him out uh but you could also possibly slide in and be the head coach in a few years because we think mm -hmm. he's going to retire mm -hmm. you know so that really kind of intrigued me because I kind of had just started that year that was the first time I'd ever really started looking at job boards and sure. stuff. I, I mean, I, I've gone right to West Side, and then with Carrie uh, Palmer getting me the job, basically at Morton Ranch. I just did a quick interview, and like I never really submitted anything. Uh, so it was one of those things. I I, I went there, um, and um, you know, I thought, hey, you know, th this is great. Uh, they had some success some years past. I know they they were struggling a little bit mm -hmm. um, lately, but. Uh, it just, it was just a, a different adventure. And I thought, Hey, I can be first assistant and maybe even head coach in a couple of years, who knows? So that's kind of what brought me to Clements. Yeah. Cause you know, Ralph Farley, I'm curious, you're a basketball coach, you know, better than me. I mean, he, 
he, he was never able to win like a state championship, you know? So, I mean, I don't know that, that coaches necessarily instantly recognize that the name Ralph Farley, but like you said, he was extremely successful at, at our, at our district level. And a little known fact that not everyone knows, I think it was that 2000 team at Willow Ridge that went on to win state, you know, if uh, TJ Ford and Daniel Ewing, uh, you can fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure they had one loss on their record. And I believe it was Ralph Farley's Clements Rangers at the Outback tournament, the Fort Benazio Outback tournament. So it, it was hundred percent. And uh, anytime we go to uh, Willow Ridge, it's, it's up there in the rafters that 38 and one. Right. And I tell our, all our kids like, Hey, that one loss was to Clements. I mean, that, that was kind of, you know, our claim to fame uh, up there. Um, and try to pump up the kids like, Hey, we can do this. And I, and I remember saying that and uh, my JV team getting a big win um, uh, at Willow Ridge uh, one year. And, and the kids were like, yeah, coach, just like that team, we got a dub here, you know? Yeah. So uh, no, absolutely. No, he was, um, he was a really good coach, old school, man. He ran that flex offense, which you don't see much uh, anymore, but he would run that to death and hard man to man uh defense so yeah he I mean he was known as a tough old school coach uh that got the most out of what he had I was going to ask you about that actually because we don't do a lot of x's and o's on this show but I remember the flex offense and I mean you know better than me but like I mean you you see a lot of Princeton right Uh, Mm -hmm. various high school programs that's one that Dulles is running really well Travis also did that well in our district but I kind of got the vibe and you just validated it that the flex almost like the flex bone, flex bone offense in football. It's, it's kind of a unique mm-hmm. offense, right? So yes. you, you, I, I, you would know better than me because you're saying you, you don't see that very often coaching high school basketball in Houston. No, everything has gone to um, a much uh, bigger spacing. Mm-hmm. And, and really the spacing is not, What about the time not, though, coach? Like in that era when, when he was running it, were other teams doing it or is he kind of the only guy that was running the flex? Yeah, flex, flex was, was – um, was was big time uh okay it, it was it was all over the place and especially in texas and, I, and i'll give it for this reason um you know most coaches you know what's your first sport you usually play baseball mm-hmm. you know what's other you know obviously the biggest sport in texas is football so anyone in the texas area you know you're used to controlling sports like like there's a there's a pitch uh a, a catcher is making a sure, call for sure. a pitch a football coach is making a call, you know, every single play. It's not like, hey, just run kind of this. Uh, so flex offense is a way for a coach to really control the game. Uh, it's very different than a lot of coaches do now. And Bob Knight was the first one that was kind of like motion offense where you yeah. had different options. Yeah. Uh, but flex was – the good, great thing about flex is everyone played every position, which was really good if you didn't have a big man. But what was tough about it is uh, – you know, you didn't have a lot of reads. I mean, there were some reads in it, but the initial part, there's not a lot of reads. So it was a patterned offense. Yep. Uh, so it, it was very predictable at times. So, uh, but a lot of coaches, when I grew up, that's probably the first offense I ran. Yeah. Um, and, and my coaches were football coaches and it was a pattern. They could learn it and use it. And you could just, there's no shot clock. So you just ran it till you got the shot you wanted. That, that's so cool, Coach, to hear that background because I mean, you listened to the Jason Campbell episode. We we're joking around. It shocked me that Coach Campbell remembered because even I'd forgotten about this that at the time, I like to run like Dick Bennett's blocker mover offense. 
That's what yeah. I grabbed. I did a lot of studying on my own and found some that fit my personality, what I liked. And you know, obviously he was a longtime coach at Wisconsin and Washington state and his son uh, is Tony Bennett, you know, the, the Virginia yeah. coach. So, you know, big coaching family, but uh, I know Bob Knight also had little bits of blocker mover in that motion too, where it's kind of some freedom. And for me, it was the opposite. Yes. I'm a football coach. And, but I didn't want the control. I felt like I don't know enough about basketball. I don't want to waste time putting in plays. I want to just have a system where we can free yeah. flow on offense. And then I focus on the defensive end. That was my right. majority of practice is just, we're going to be the best defense in the district. Uh, well, that, that's, you know, that's why I really enjoyed coaching with you because you came in and you were just so eager to learn and excited about uh, stuff. And you're like, coach, if you show me, I can do it. And I'm going to coach up that defense. And, and you know, you did a great job. There's uh, a lot of times it, it's so tough because you just got done with a long football season mm -hmm. And for most coaches, especially in Texas, like that's your passion, you know, and then a lot of coaches want a break and man, you just hit it ground running and, and you're excited, willing to learn. But yeah, I, I was probably in my early career, more sets and more plays. And man, we've gone the opposite direction, especially the last two or three years here at Seven Lakes of, of, we just give them kind of guidelines and rules and, and we just let them go. My only plays are like on baseline out of bounds or sideline out of bounds, something like that. But uh, this last last year, I know like at my level, I called like one play yeah. once or twice a game, and and we just teach the kids how to play. Love it. I, I, and I that's the camp that I'm in. So I I'm, I yeah. think it's so cool. I'm I think it's so cool that that y'all are doing that, and I appreciate that, coach. And that's for young coaches that are listening, football coaches like like I was. You know, that's something I took pride in. I, yeah. I ask coach every year, I want basketball. Cause you know, and, and not to say that coaches are being lazy, but a lot of times, you know, coaches want to do football coaches want to do track, right? They want the break and right. also track. I, I, I love coaching track. I was a shot put discus coach and, and athlete back in my day. And I love track, but it's a little more laid back. It, you know, it's just a different right. style of sport. Right. But yeah. I loved basketball. And I'd always ask coach Knowles and coach Stiffen, like, please make my second sport basketball. I want the freshman B team or I want the sophomore team. The, the, that's yeah. my specialty because a lot of times they're football players they're guys that are counted out and nobody believes in them and they I, I love those guys and so yeah. I was like just leave, leave them to me but I, I remember you had the t-shack just like I did and I'd walk over there all the time and I'd just be I'd be following you around like a little puppy dog asking you questions like coach <laughs> about this I did the same thing with coach Campbell and so you guys yeah. are so great uh so I really appreciate that but you know a lot of a lot of my good friends were at kind of from that Clements tree that, that listen to this podcast so I just want to give you the floor I mean any memories or certain teachers or players or anything that you remember from Clements you want to just, just uh, give tribute to while, while you're on the show? Well, we, you know, I thought, you know, I only stayed two years, uh, but I thought we had a good young group coming up and you stayed longer. Uh, I think than I did. Um, but uh, Victor and that, that whole group, Nikhil yeah. and, yeah. and all them, uh, Lawrence and, and all those guys, I, I thought, I thought they had a chance to be really good. And that, that's, that's what kind of made uh, leaving kind of tough, you know, uh, for me. It's like, man, I, I think these guys are going to be really good their junior and senior year. Um, so it, 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 was, it was tough. Um, but, uh, yeah, oh, man, we, we have so many Farley stories. I know you and I could, yeah. <laughs> uh, could share, could share a, a, a bunch of those. But uh, – it was just a cool time in my development and made me really think about the game so much different. Cause like I said, I was under for seven years under coach Palmer and um, you know, uh, Farley coach Farley really had a different way of thinking about it 
And uh, it, it really challenged uh, me just to be a better coach. And, and since he was so, what I think kind of like strong and tough with the kids, yeah. I felt like, well, he doesn't need me doing the exact same thing behind him. So I need to be more of a raw, raw guy. And this, so it kind of, it made me think about how you need to have yin and yang with the coaching staff. Um, and I think that's really important. You can't have everyone that coaches the exact same way on your staff. Uh, and it really made me think about that uh, more than I had before. That's a great point, coach. I, I, I love it. So again, for coaches thinking, thinking about that, in, in, especially in basketball, because in a football staff, it's so large. Right. In basketball, I feel like your first assistant, your varsity assistant got, is an extremely pivotal role. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, Top Gun Maverick just came out. Right. I mean, that's your wingman. Yeah. Like that, that's goose back to, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not saying that the, the coach dies in the story, but you know, I mean, <laughs> they've got your back. Right. And right. I remember coach Campbell on his episode, he, he talked about a situation where, you know, North, Northbrook, uh, they're pl- going to play Memorial and, you know, it's, a lot of times that game can get out of hand. And so he had it during the week of, of lead up and game planning, they, he had created a stall ball tactic and it was agreed mm-hmm. upon by the staff. And then once, but you know how it is when you run stall ball, basketball gyms, you can hear everything. Yep. And so when they started trying to pull it out, fans started booing and complaining and players right. were coming on and coach, let us hoop, you know, and, and eventually, you know, some, uh, one of his assistants kind of said, coach, just let him play. And I understand, I guess I, I can, but like, to me that that's not being an assistant, right? It's one of those things where like, we, 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 we game plan yeah. this, we agreed this is our best chance you know, and, and I need you to have my back in these tough times. Right. You know, no, so any, any thoughts kind of on a scenario like that? Cause you may have, maybe you've been in some certain scenarios like that in the gym. No, you, you have to have that talk ahead of time. And, uh, I'm, I'm lucky I've worked with some great coaches. Um, and, and we can talk about coach Heston who I work for right now in, in a few minutes, but you, you have to have that talk ahead of time. And then once it's decided, it's decided like, that's what it is. And now afterwards, after the game in our office, if we want to say, coach, I don't think that was the best, blah, blah, blah. Sure. We can have that talk. But in public, man, you you have to go with the game plan. Right. Um, and you have to support. Now, if the game plan is, you know, like, coach, let me know if you think we need to make a change. Right. I'll, we'll stay with this. Then, then that's different. But if, if, if that's the game plan, that's the game plan. And I think as, as an assistant coach, you need to take as much off your head coach as possible, as much off his plate. And um, so it doesn't mean you're a yes man or anything else. And the re- reason why I've stayed at some lakes as long as I have is because uh, we challenge each other and, and we discuss a lot of stuff and, and, and it's a lot of fun uh, because I have a big say in what's going on. Coach Heston is great about that, but um, we have to make sure that we are supporting each other and your job is to make him look as good as possible. Um, and that, that, that needs to, to happen. Now it doesn't mean you can't disagree. doesn't mean you can't have a different game plan, but not in the middle of the game. If this is what we've already decided. Yeah. So for any young coaches out there, uh, that, that discussion can be before or after not in the middle. Not in, right. Yeah. Not in the middle. I mean, especially okay. in a situation where the fans are, but I mean, it, it, it is a pressure packed situation, but I think that's when the coach needs your back. And then sure enough, coach Campbell tells a story that he said, okay, they play. And all of a sudden, bing, 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 bing. Now they're down 16. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So like that, that, that eliminated them from, from contention that game. So that, that they came up with a plan for a reason uh, to give them. Yeah, it looks great in Hoosiers, you know, when you do yeah. something crazy and different, but man, it doesn't always work out like that. A couple more, just things on Clements, you know, I, and I don't remember how all the timeline went, but you know, our, our friend of the show, Dominique Williams, you know, who actually the music for our show yeah. is Dominique and he goes by the stage name, uh, stage name. Now, Avrion is, is his rap name and you can find all of his music on, on all this. I get mine on Spotify, but any, any music platform, you can find it. I put my favorite single from his new album that that's our theme music for the team player podcast. That's awesome. And Dominique, you know, is a very, was a football first guy, but also he was a hooper. He was with us, you know, and yeah, he, he played for me. Yeah. So, okay. So I was yeah. going to ask you just memories on him because he was great. And I mean, we, I've kept in touch with him. Uh, he went on to become a uh, division, uh, uh, all district player at corner uh, for the Clemens right. Rangers, also a great returner. And then he went on to Midwestern state in Wichita falls and became an all American uh, returner as well as the yeah. defensive back as well. So he had a great career. So just, you know, I like to give him his flowers because he's a big friend of the show. So just your memories on, on coaching Dominique there. Uh, fearless. Yeah, absolutely. Fearless. And, he was one of those uh, guys. So he, I think, went to uh, Willridge his freshman year. That's correct. Yep. And and then um, and then he, he came over, and you know things were were much different uh, than Will, Willridge. He, you know, he said basketball wise, he was used to just kind of going out there and playing. And like sure. I said, we had this system uh, that that you know Coach Farley and us we wanted to run mm-hmm. and, and everything. So it was very different for him, but. When you needed a bucket or you needed a big play, you yeah. went to him. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he was a he was a stud uh, in that, that regard. And I, I think he uh, he was just uh, for Coach Farley. I think he's probably just a little too wild, you know, like he, like because because when he saw an opening, he went and I was saying like, hey, go for it. Yeah. Uh, like if you see if you see you can make a play, make a play. But he was tough, hard nosed. You know, he was a little a littler guy but he had like a chip on the shoulder. Like, I'm going to show you, yeah. uh, I'm going to show you what I can do. So he was afraid of no man, yeah. uh, which probably made him a great football player. Absolutely. And just fast yeah. and quick. Um, and I really think he could have been a good uh, basketball player. I think his future was in football. So he went in right. that direction. Right. Right. Um, but I remember trying to uh, keep up with him because he, he was another kid. Um, I know I, I, I gave a ride home to on a Saturday yeah. And, yeah. and stuff like that. Just a, just an awesome kid. Um, and you could tell, you know, smart, tough, you know, you, you could tell, uh, that, uh, he was going places and it didn't surprise me that he had a great football career. Absolutely. We, we love Dominique, big friend of the show. And again, check out his music. I mean, it, like coach Campbell said, coach Campbell also is, is a fan. And I know you, you're a fan. Like, I mean, it, it is legitimately good music. So if you like our intro, yeah, we're, we're Facebook friends. I think yeah. we're, we're back and forth. I knew he was getting into music. I just yeah. hadn't heard anything yet. Yep. So, so yeah, I gotta, all- definitely got to check that out. For sure. Yeah. Awesome. Everybody, please check that out. And then as far as Coach Farley, again, I don't think I'm going to get into the story specifically because sometimes they are laced with uh, expletives, you know, because that's just the way that Coach Farley talked. But I loved Coach Farley. And you're right. He had a, and I talked about this on the Coach Campbell episode, he had an intimidating presence. He was probably about six foot six. Yeah. I just this, he could stare right through you. He really could. He could just oh. <laughs> stare right through your soul. You would say something to him and he wouldn't react or he wouldn't, he wouldn't say anything at first. He would just turn and yeah. look at you for like, it felt like an eternity. It was probably <laughs> like five seconds, but you're like, Oh my God, what did I just say to him? And he, he was really funny. It was just, it was just very dark, you know, humor uh, and just very sarcastic, but 
you know, I, I love to get him going and laughing. It wasn't very often. It yeah. wasn't very often, but man, you, when you really got his guard down, he, he was really fun to talk to. I totally agree. So with, you're right with the players. He, he was maybe not Bobby Knight. Cause he wasn't as like, I'm not like loud and boisterous as a Bobby Knight, but he kind of was like that more of a silent, but could explode when he needed to. But yeah, it was a kind of a, a rough, you know, rough, style, older, old right. school style coach. Right. But, old school, but, baby. Old but, school. Like you said though, when, when he got coach Farley into the coach's office, he is yep. hilarious. So any, any basketball heads around here that remember Ralph Farley, and I don't know what he does now, but he was just awesome. Like I guess, and he, he was one of those guys that he had that steel stare, but at the same time, like when you got him laughing, he kind of got that little twinkle in his eye, you know, and just, yeah. just was like really just a fun guy, really funny, would tell jokes, would always, always have me laughing. I'll tell you this much. He loved Kendrick Davis. That Ooh. was their star. Same graduating class as me in 2002 was a part of that team that beat Willow Ridge. And I just remember him saying like, I won't get the, the one star I'll tell about coach Farley. He used to, he had fish, right? He, he like, he had a kept an aquarium and I remember him yeah. telling me one time, he's like, Hey man, Hey James, you know, I could put some jerseys on them fish and have Kendrick. We could be Bush. <laughs> you know? So that was just, oh, I just man. Died laughing, but he, you know, that, Kendrick that, was a one man show, you know, that, that is so Farley. And like, like you, like you're doing with your eyes closed yeah. like that. I mean, he would start <laughs> talking like that almost like he's dreaming of yeah. uh of Kendrick oh man yeah he loved him he would he would talk about him all the time yeah man that, that yeah. guy was just a stud he played at Arkansas played at Arkansas right? and North Texas and and yeah. then shout out to Ken if anyone has young kids like my, I have a son that's like two months old but as he gets older if he wants to play basketball I'm Facebook friends with Kendrick Davis we don't know each other personally but we connected on Facebook and he runs a AAU team a basketball team and the, the reason I'm promoting this here is if, if you're looking, if you're like middle school, high school age kids, and he does girls and boys, check this, check him out. Just Google like Kendrick Davis basketball. I don't remember. I think it's called um, Principles First. Principles First AAU team. And okay. you, you can tell by the way that he's, he gets it. He gets it, you know, because he's played at that high level. He, he talks, the way that he talks is like, look, I'm not here to just try to recruit the best talent and win. Like I'm, I'm developing these, these kids. And so I'm just like, dude, this guy gets it. This is the AAU coach that you want. So shout out Kendrick Davis. Shout out all the Clements Rangers from those, those glory years under Coach Farley in the late 90s, early 2000s. They, they really were something special. And last last memory here, you know, I knew you and I would talk for a long time. I'm so excited to, to reconnect <laughs> with you. Do you remember when we played in the Clements Intramural Basketball League against the students? Yes. Yes. We but, had a pretty uh, nice total that... of squad now. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, no, there's some coaches that can play a little Kubiset, Kub, all, all those guys, yeah. That's no, what I was going to – I remember did. you and Coach Campbell, you know, very skilled, very technically skilled. We had Patrick Longstreet, who's six foot four, but it and was strong. the six seven Kub. There was no answer for these high, you know, high school kids to throw it into Kub. And yeah, he, and Kub was playing all the time, uh, too, because yeah. he, he was playing in a bunch of different leagues, so he was right. really in shape and – and stuff like that and he could shoot it from outside yeah no th those were fun times playing in those leagues yeah so lots of great memories from Clements but I, I now want to ask you more of a, a coaching philosophy question so getting kind of more serious again you yes you under coach Palmer you had that long period well I guess about seven years you were with under yep. you know in, in his program you enjoyed it you were fulfilled you were winning but at the time you were the freshman 18 coach correct during that entire right. period and, and so I guess that yes. was the issue right not uh, that was the sole issue is, Hey, I'm, I've, I've, I haven't advanced up right. this ladder. Right. And so 
I'm just curious for young coaches listening, what is the balance of when you, when you, when you move, right? Cause I mean, you know yeah. how it is in the coaching profession. I'm several, uh, Sergio Gonzalez kind of touched on this a little bit in his episode that sometimes if you move too much, you can kind of get a label of being, you know, unloyal or disloyal or, or bounce, a bounce right. around kind of coach. But at the same time, uh, um, uh, uh, Masaki Matsumoto, another one of my guests talked about like, yeah, you know, you got to move sometimes because you start getting stagnant. And I, I kind right. of, I kind of, from listening to you, I feel like that's how you felt is that you, yes, you, I, I love it here, but I'm getting stagnant. So what advice would you give for, especially basketball coaches, you know, specifically, because I know every sport's a little bit different dynamics, but when is the right time to move? And then here you are now at Seven Lakes, you've become the varsity assistant and you've been here for 12 years. And so obviously you're very fulfilled there. You kind of started describing it. So I'm just curious, your advice to young coaches, as far as when is the right time to, to take a move? Yeah, so uh, it, it's an interesting question because it's different for everybody. Sure. Okay. Um, and I, I, I think it, because it, it oh, my daughter's saying hello. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's different because, you know, I, I was afraid of, I was moving around too much and, and I, I needed to leave Clements. I, I realized Coach Farley wasn't going anywhere. That kind of made me think like he, he kind of was like, ah, he's not going anywhere. And every year we thought he was because he would say, this is my last year. So when I made the yeah. move, I had always thought of myself as, hey, I'm going to be somewhere for a long time. And I'm not doing that. I'm bouncing around here and here and here. Uh, there's the way I, I mean, I'm obviously not a head coach yet, so I'm probably not a good example is, but I think you can throw, I know some coaches throw out like 50 resumes um, uh, every you know, every year and, yeah. and, they, and they move up and I see like they have their head coaches now. Uh, so maybe that's the best way to do it for me. I just wanted to, I, at Clements, we didn't do a ton of winning. I, I wanted to be somewhere that we are winning and we were growing and all that. And so that's why I made the move. And I actually went backwards. I went to where I'm freshman A again. I'm not the first assistant mm -hmm. um, at uh, Seven Lakes, but I, I had, I just kind of, really kind of lucked in that situation. I, I went to a TABC um, meeting and I saw up on the board that um, Seven Lakes was looking for uh, a coach. And I happened to find Coach Miller, who is right there. And we just kind of did an interview on the spot and I didn't think anything of it. And then on Monday, I got a call, said, hey, I want you to come in and meet our principal. So it happened really fast. Um, I, I think you you sometimes do have to make a move to make a move. Um, I, and that's what I did when I, when I uh, left Morton Ranch. I just felt like I needed to move up and I needed to be under someone else new. Coach Palmer was great, mm -hmm. uh, but I just, I wanted to hear someone else uh, say it. I wanted to be in a different huddle just to hear different stuff. Uh, so I do think you have to make a move. I think when you're, um, um, when you are, you know, starting out and you're learning, there, there's just so many different things you can do to get experience, mm -hmm. whether it be to go to clinics or I did a bunch of camps during the summer, but there's nothing like being just at a different school and hearing from someone else. And I was able to get with Coach Miller and instantly made a connection. We were the same. We thought about the game the same way. 
And it was just like, man, I want to be on your staff. I don't care what level it is. I want to be there. And I wanted to go back to KDISD because I thought it was a great uh, district. So that's what kind of led me in that direction. Absolutely. Uh, but as far as, it, as far as advice, it, it's, it's kind of tough because I know coaches that have made quick moves, you know, boom, boom, boom. Um, and there are head coaches already. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, do you, it, it depends on where you are with your family, sure, things like sure. that. I had a young family. Um, I have, uh, two girls and, and a boy and I was like, man, I've, it's been nine years. I've moved around a bunch. Let me go back to this school and, and let me stay there. So that, that was kind of where I was. Uh, but it kind of depends on where you are. Do you have kids? Do you not have kids? Are you married? Mm -hmm. Are you not married? I, I would say if you can, if you can go to a good program under a good coach, that's the way to go. Sure. Uh, because that's where you're going to grow. And then that's where you're going to get recognized. And you definitely did that with Dan Miller. I mean, he, uh, he, he coached collegiate basketball at Letourneau, which I'm very familiar with. They were in the American Southwest Conference when I, when I was at Austin College. So Letourneau came in our gym at the Huey Gymnasium. So I, I definitely remember uh, Letourneau. And now he's at San Marcos. And he hosts a podcast. He's very well-respected professionally. So he got off to a great start. And then when was it that Shannon Heston took over? So I was there uh, with Dan for about five years. Okay. Um, and then dad, Dan got the Letourneau job. We knew it was going to happen at some point. Um, he, di he didn't really let us in on any of it, but uh, like, like when it was going down, because he didn't know if he was going to get it or not. Sure. Um, but when we all got called in afterwards, like, oh my gosh, we know this is, you know, I know, you know, he got a job somewhere. Uh, so I was with Dan for about five years and those were some of the best years of my life. I mean, um, you know, obviously basketball was great. I mean, I, I want to say my first three years there, we won like 98 games. Um, we won 33, 33, 32. I won district every year yeah. as a freshman A coach. I mean, we were loaded. Um, and, uh, and, and he left, uh, but you know, we had great young players coming in. Uh, Cameron McGusty, who's, you know, in, uh, playing for uh, the Pistons right now. Wow. Uh, he was a freshman. Um, and so, you know, we knew things were still going to be good. And so everyone just kind of moved up the ladder. Shannon Heston was the first assistant. So he got, you know, yep. the job and we were just going to keep it all, all going. Um, but uh, it, it, it was it was tough because you know you're losing like one of your best friends going to go coach in college but we had faith in Shannon and, and our staff with Todd Kanabi and Nick Flora all of us you know were still there and, and we knew it was going to be a great staff you know and I I want I forgot to mention this did you was Brian Harris a coach at Clements when you were there the girl was he the girls basketball coach or so I took his spot as Farley's first assistant, but he was on the girls' side. So Coob was his assistant. That's, that's where I got to know Coob, and he and I are still really good friends, uh, talk all the time. Um, he was the girls' coach for about two years. The two years I was there, he was the girls' coach. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, now he's, he's, uh, he's out in Barbers Hill, has had some really good teams come through there. He's, a, he's the mm -hmm. athletic director uh, on the girls' side, I believe, out there. I totally forgot he was one of our best players on that little intramural team. I mean, oh. Brian Harris, and I was, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I also played in some leagues and like pickup leagues of Shannon Heston. 
Yes. Those are two dudes. If you just saw him walking down the street, you might not just instantly think stone cold certified baller. Both of those guys, Brian Harris and Shannon Heston can fill it up. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Shannon is a great shooter. Look, yes. he's a lefty like I am. Lefty. Exactly. Uh, he, yep. he played, he played college ball and that was his job to shoot it. Uh, but he can never shoot it because Brian Harris always shot. Uh, <laughs> Brian loved to shoot the ball, man. He, you, you got to have him on a podcast. Uh, sometime. Yeah, definitely you know, he was a really good scorer. Uh, he was a, a, a good player. And then he, uh, he played on, uh, he played, uh, at Tennessee as for, I want to say this right. He was the, uh, the girls who the girls went against like Pat exactly. summit yep. always had a group of guys. I don't know their name. They had a name for their squad, but he would play against those girls and get them ready for their championship runs and stuff like that. He could ball out. Yes, uh, he could. Both of both those guys, you saw them, you wouldn't think they could ball out. They, they, they got buckets. I've totally wanted to recognize that. And coach Harris, he's got a mean streak yeah. to him. Now he is a competitor. Ooh. And he, he, he did not like to trash. lose. <laughs> he did not like to lose. I love it. Yeah. Two excellent coaches. But so now obviously like, you know, you'd known coach Heston, you like, you, you, you moved up the ranks. My favorite part of seven lakes basketball. I mean, of course I love all you guys, but those Spartan crazies are something else. Was that something that was already in full swing when you got there or did, did you get to see, I don't know what the time frame was when they really got going, but they're, they're incredible. So, um, we, I mean, that, that is homegrown and that's a lot of the influence by coach Miller. Uh, we did everything we could, uh, whether it's like, let's have free hot dogs before the game, mm-hmm. let's get free pizza, let's throw things out in the crowd. Um, there's, there's not a better culture builder than Dan Miller. Agreed. Uh, he's really good at all that stuff. And that's why I know he's, he did a great job out with Turno turning that program uh, into a winning program. And then he's going to do great things at San Marcos. He already has, but he was all about that stuff. I mean, we were promoting stuff left and right. We would, uh, we'd have stuff about the games and uh, he'd say like, Hey, go in the boys restroom and tape this uh, flyer on the back of every door. Uh, so, so every time a kid shut it to use a the restroom, they were going to see our basketball game is tonight. That's uh, an administration did not like us doing that at all. I'll say that. <laughs> um, but we were putting flyers up everywhere. We were promoting stuff all the time. But um, it was definitely something we built and, and had to build. Because kids have so many options nowadays of stuff to, to, to do. And at Seven Lakes, kids, you know, uh, especially on a Tuesday, it, it's tough. I mean, kids need to go home and study. We're a very tough academic school. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, to try to get a kid to go support other people was tough so he definitely did a great job of building that that's something we worked on a lot uh we have like spartan crazy hall of fames and we made videos that is all this kind of dude coach that's awesome yeah i had no idea that is awesome yeah so we uh 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 we did a lot of stuff promoting uh stuff this year uh obviously having a really good team helps and it helps when our players really talk it up. But uh, I'm coming made, back from COVID uh, too. I'm sure everybody was excited to get yes. back in the gym. Yeah. So that it, it was tough coming from that to try to get kids to come back. But 
we we inducted four kids this year to the Spartan Crazy Hall of Fame. I oh made like that little sheets and I'll share it to you sometime, but yeah. we made it a big deal. And we put it on our Twitter, you know, that these kids got inducted and, and everything. And it, it's like a big deal. And they may that not think great. it's a big deal, but we gave them a little certificate and everything. And we appreciate their support. And we, we'd say like, hey, this kid's going to AM. And yeah. he was here at every game and he was supporting us. So we did a lot to try to value those guys. And we were lucky. Our soccer team, who's very, very good. Yes. Um, they were very supportive. They we had a couple kids that they were friends with. So if they were if they did not have a soccer match, all the soccer players came and those guys were awesome. They were uh, awesome. You know what? And and I'm about to talk about Jimmy Hammond, who's your campus athletic coordinator and is a, a dear friend of mine. And but that's got to just that's got to just bring a big smile to Jimmy Ham's face, you know, because that's what it's all about. Right. Is the sports not competing against each other or, or resenting each other? It's marching together because we're all Spartans. Right. And I mean, I yes. just I did not know when I when I was setting up this question, this, this answer you would give me. And I am just so blown away by by Coach Miller's foresight and you and Coach Heston help keeping it going and, and your administration you know for helping do that and i just think man i that just, this has made my day coach so for anyone listening looking to build a culture we talk about culture all the time in coaching these are some serious things you may want to take a visit out to out to seven lakes high school because that's some really high level stuff y'all got going on there yeah and it would not be possible without jimmy hammond jimmy Hammond, jimmy hammond is is the best uh ad i've ever worked for he is unbelievable wow. because yeah. it's not yeah. all about him it's, it's, it is, he supports everyone. And, and I know there's, there's always a lot of lip service, you know, that you hear it's like, Oh, we want kids to play all sports, you know, and things like that. But, but that guy truly believes it. Cause he was a baseball, mm -hmm. he, he was a football baseball kid growing up. And I believe he went to, uh, to college to play baseball. That's correct. He's a pitcher. Yeah. Um, and, but, uh, he, he really believes in the whole school. So he supports everyone. Carrie Finnison, our principal, does a great job of recognizing choir, band, sports, academic stuff. So they, it's, it's been a lot of fun because I'll, I'll tell you what, if you don't have an AD that feels that way, um, that they can crush you and they can crush you fast. Um, and I've, I've worked for a lot of good ones, to be honest with you. But I've heard horror stories yeah. of like, you know, our basketball kids don't play football or football kids don't play basketball. Right. It, it's tough. A, a lot of our kids deciding to go one sport or the other, it's really the parents and the kids. It's not sure. us. Right. You know, we've had talks with those kids and um, I, I tell, I've told some kids that are on the bubble um, with that decision. It's like, man, I am not going to tell you one way or another. It's not going to be like, Hey, if you come and just play basketball, you're going to be on varsity. But if you right. don't come out, you know, you may be on a JV. We've never, ever had that conversation. Um, and, and I know Jimmy doesn't either. I can tell uh, the kids can go back and forth. Now, kids realize at some point they're better at one than the, than the other. Um, we've had some kids go out for football just their last year. Um, and uh, get a scholarship. One of them got a scholarship to uh, Texas State yeah. because he, he was just built like a football player. Um, and, uh, hey, I mean, that's it is what it is. Like you, I, I think the kids have to make the best decision for themselves. Sure. And so uh, Jimmy's 
always been on board with all that. He's great. Man, that made my day to hear that too. I mean, it's been, a, oh man, it's uplifting for me because, you know, I, I didn't know what, I, I don't know if you like Jimmy because J- Jimmy and Phil Dober are two of my best friends in the world. So I was always yeah. like a little hesitant, like, I'd hate to ask him, put you on the spot. And of course you have to say you like him, but I can tell this is genuine heartfelt. And I kind of knew, because I know Jimmy, I just knew you'd love him, you know? And yeah. he's another math guy. He's, and another, he's another math guy. You guys all have the little he, math mafia there going on. But the, the yeah. thing is, I, I recently interviewed Jimmy and his episode will be coming out a few weeks before yours. And he talked about that, about how he actually, like he loves being a campus athletic coordinator. And he said, he talks about like, I'm not here to like, you know, he's like, I, I go to basketball games. And so when, when I see the basketball coach, like I can, I talk to him, Hey coach, you know, the game last night, and it, he, he kind of goes through play by play, not, not like giving his advice or anything, but just talking about it, just showing like yeah. I have interest in what you're doing. And I went to your game and I'm, I'm cheering for you. So I just, that that's awesome that, that you feel that same way. And I know he feels the same way about your program. And so just great yeah. things going on. You know, he was a real deal. His first year, it's his first year being a head coach. Uh, so there's a lot of pressure on you. I mean, you're in in the same district with Cinco and Katie and Tompkins and and all these all these people. Um, you know, he uh, he had a, a, a star player um, break. I don't know what rules. I I don't even know. I'm not even say the the player, but um, he he sat him. Yeah. You know, uh, in in a crucial game. Uh, it it was a it was an important game. Um, and he sat and we're like, wow, like that's, that, that, that takes a lot of guts. You're, you, yeah. you know, this is your first job as a head yeah. coach in this district and you're going to sit your best player. And, and some coaches may have just been like, Hey, you know, it's, it's fine. We'll, we'll just have you do some bear crawls and, and blah. And he sat him and they, I know they won that game. And I was so happy for him because you're like that. And, and the, I think the kid apologized and the kid was like, my bad won't happen again. And it just kind of set the tone. So he's, yeah, he's, he's the real deal. Absolutely. Now, and speaking of head coaches, you kind of answered this for me because I was going to ask you, because you, you've been at seven lakes for so long and you, again, you recently won the award and to refresh my memory, wh- wh- which body gave you that award? Who was that from? Um, I was, I was blessed to actually get two this year. I oh, got wow. the Hapka assistant coach of the year. I did not realize we were coaching in the Hapka all-star game. Um, and at halftime, uh, coach Heston said, Hey, you need to go to half court. I was like, what, uh, is a, they got an award for it. He's like, no, I'm not. Yeah. That's later on. Like, no, you got another award. So, uh, coach Heston nominated me for both of them, which I'm just blessed, but I got the, um, the Hapka, the Houston area basketball coaches association award. And then I got the, uh, 6A, Texas assistant coach of the year. So just, just beyond blessed and, and humbled that uh, coach Heston nominated for me, nominated uh, for me for both of those awards. And um, I, I'm just lucky. I get to work with some of my best friends. Uh, coach Heston's one of my best friends and I have a lot of respect for, for him and just the fact that he nominated me for that, whether I won it or not, you know, because they nominate a bunch of people, but, um, it, it just, it really means a lot to me. He lets, um, he, he lets his assistants help coach the team. And, um, I, I know other coaches do that, but he lets us have a big say. And that's, that's honestly why I haven't gone anywhere else 
if, if I want to try something with the varsity or with my team or something like that, he listens to it. He lets us know if he thinks it's a good or a bad idea. But then if, it, if he says yes, which he does a lot, man, he lets us do it. And we've changed a lot of stuff that we've done over the years. And I think it's been success, successful. And it, it's, it's because he lets us coach. He, he lets us do those things, which is really cool. And I'm curious, cause you know, in the NBA, they have like the defensive coordinators. Like I remember Jeff Fistelic for the Rockets. Like, does anyone do that in high school? Like, it, it, I'm uh, curious, you know. It, it depends on the head coach. Uh, we've thought about it. We have uh, Coach May, uh, who was our, um, he, he was a girls coach for a while at Maid Creek. Uh, and then he came to us and he's a big defensive guy. Yeah. Um, and so we've kind of let him do some of that stuff. We, we all, we all interact yeah. uh, with that stuff. And uh, Coach Flora and myself do a lot of offensive stuff now. Okay. Um, and Coach Flora does a great, great job with our weight room and everything. He's, he's really uh, into that. Um, but uh, we, we've kind of divided like that in the past. I wouldn't know if we have an official okay. name for it. But, um, but uh, I know some coaches that, yes, you do do defense, you do offense. It's part of that Texas feel, you know, yeah. football coaches and stuff sure. like that, yeah. that I think is, it's really cool um, how, too. Yeah. Uh, how that, that's kind of made its way into basketball. Because it, it is cool to me to watch this bench assistant, like kind of becoming the head coach in a sense when the ball is on one side of the floor. And, and you know, this is kind of cool to see that. But the reason I brought up, you know, the, uh, the awards, I remember seeing on Twitter, and I haven't seen you in a long time, coach. And so I wanted to talk about the beard. <laughs> you were, you were yeah. clean shaven. Yeah, you got a, you have quite the beard. <laughs> so yeah, it's got like a it's, Duck it's, Dynasty uh, thing going on there. I love it, you know. And uh, man, I, I've uh, I had a goatee for a little bit, and then yeah. it just kind of uh, kept growing during COVID and okay. and all that stuff. And and I need to trim it up. My my wife, if she was in here, would say like, "Yeah, you need to shave it all the way off." <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, just been growing it, and uh, even in the heat, it's not too bad, you know. Just yeah. just kind of growing it out, just having some fun with it. Yours looks good though. I mean, I, I said Duck Dynasty. That's not accurate. I don't know ZZ Top <laughs> or you know, but your, yours is like well, it's it's like obviously like well, you know, manicured, maintained, whatever. So it doesn't look sloppy, but it's it's a it's a long beard. So I, I think it looks yeah. great, Coach. So I I saw that on, on when you got your award, and I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, yeah, <laughs> Coach looks a little different than I than I remember. Um, and you know, I guess. So I guess last kind of question on that is you, you do want to be a head coach. You know, you, you, you've addressed that, but it sounds like you're kind of, you're, you're in a position where you're so happy where you're at, you're winning that it's going to be like one of those situations. You're not, you're not just going to jump at anything. Like you're waiting for a, a perfect moment. Would that be accurate to describe or? Yeah. I, at this stage I, I am, you know, like I said, there's different ways to do it. So I don't, I don't want a young coach to think like, Oh, this is the only way to do it. I right. know coaches that, um are at three schools in three years and now they're head coaches um but um so you know those first like I said when Dan was there um it was about five years and I'd wanted to stay somewhere I'd never stayed anywhere that long mm -hmm. um and then we all kind of moved up and we knew it we had some good young players so like I don't want to go anywhere I did interview uh once for like a uh, Kingwood job mm -hmm. um and and was was kind of close to getting that but didn't but you know uh, my wife and I we had always talked about hey we're probably not just gonna move anywhere that's another right. thing you, sure. you know sure. if you're willing to move to Austin or willing to move you right. know here or there you might have more opportunities but uh, 
I've been, I've only gone for, you know, two or three jobs like yeah. that have opened up near me, uh, especially because my kids are at the age where they're playing sports and they're right. doing stuff right. and things like that. So, uh, and especially once I moved out to where I am now, uh, out in Fulcher, I was like, okay, it has to be within driving distance here. So I definitely haven't put my name in uh, just, you know, for any, any job. I love teaching at Seven Lakes. It's a great job. We have great students. We're supported on and off the court. Um, and, and, you know, uh, we're winning a lot. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. I don't want to say I want to, you know, I wouldn't go somewhere to try to get it going. Obviously, if you go somewhere, it's usually because, um, maybe they're a, a school is struggling and they want to mm -hmm. go in a different direction, you know, but, um, I just don't want to go anywhere. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say that. And it's because I have a lot of say in what goes on. Like I, my input is valued yeah. by coach Heston and by other people. And I enjoy who I work with. So that's why I just haven't moved around, but Makes that's sense. just my journey. Yeah. Um, everyone's journey is different. Um, Marcus Sloan, uh, who's um, kind of an AAU kind of guru in the Houston area. Uh, I follow him on Twitter and he tweets out something every single day and it says, run your race. Um, and it's kind of funny. Anytime I'm, I see something like, oh man, I should, you know, I should be going for this or I should get this job or whatever. I just, it kind of clicks up on Twitter and I see that and it says, run your race and everyone's race is different. And I may get a head job someday. I may not, but you know, I, I know I'm helping kids. We're, we're doing great stuff here. We, yeah. you know, we started an alumni barbecue that I have at my house. Very cool. You know, that all the kids come back and I, I cook and I do a lot of barbecue all the time. And, um, we get all those kids here and I, we hear about where they are in college or a lot of them have graduated or they have babies now and all that. And so that's a lot of fun to me. Uh, just growing this program, I think the right way. We do a lot with our kids, a lot with our kids that have graduated uh, because we want them to know that we care about them, not just when they're playing for us, but uh, throughout their career. Uh, so it's it's really fun to do things like that. And so I'm, I'm a huge fan of yours. So I'm, I'm rooting for you now. And whenever you do get that call, when you get that call, I, I will definitely be your biggest fan for sure. And so, you know, I always we've talked a lot about the coaching. Most of what we've talked about is for coaches. I like this yeah. segment here is for parents. You know, now that I'm out of coaching and I do broadcasting, I'm in the bleachers. I'm in the press boxes. I, I hear a lot of the stuff that's, that goes on and you know, it's not all bad, but sometimes I do hear negativity coming out of parents and it really, and you know, it really gets me because I just know how great coaches are, how big of a difference you're making in kids' lives. And so that's another reason for this podcast. I want to like broadcast this to the world and let people hear what these coaches are like and how intelligent and thoughtful and caring y'all all y'all are. And so my question is, you know, basketball is a tough one. You're in the gym in your gym. You may not hear, hear the parents because of the Spartan crazies, but in a lot of gyms, you hear what the parents right. are saying when they're, when they're telling their kid to shoot it every time they get the, every single time they get the ball or tell them, just shoot it, just shoot it. Even if they're doubled, <laughs> you know, things, you know, it's like, I, I see some of that behavior. I'm sure you get questions about playing time or this, that, and the other, but, I think parent behavior, I understand they love their kids. That's why they're doing it, right? That their kids are the most important thing in their world. But I think right. that they're sometimes they're allowing it to cloud the judgment, allowing it to bring negativity into the program. And I think at the end of the day, hurting their child's athletic experience. That's just my opinion. But my question for you is, 
What advice would you give a parent since you've been coaching for many, many years at a high level? What advice would you give a parent to allow their kid to have the best possible high school athletic experience? You know, um, I really think it, it, it starts around the dinner table or, you know, the drive home, uh, how you approach that situation and are you immediately critical or not? Now, um, I, I know not, not every coach is a good coach. I like, I, I, I get that. Um, so I, I, you know, I understand there's good coaches and there's, there's coaches that maybe not, but if, if in general, if you feel like your coach is not doing something to harm your child, he's trying to help them. I, I be patient, trust, you know, trust the process, trust what we're doing. Um, I, I, I really hate the bad mouthing like a coach at the dinner table or on the, on the ride home. Mm -hmm. Are they having fun? But let's face it, 99.5% of the kids that we coach are not going to make a career out of playing the sport. Right. Uh, now maybe they do something, you know, maybe they, they're coaching and we have a bunch of kids uh, that are college coaching now uh, that I've coached and, and kids that are in the front offices and doing things like that. But it's um, just try to be patient. Uh, try to just make sure the experience is fun and, 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 and put some trust in, into what we're doing. Uh, and, and if you do have issues, try to talk to your child to talk to us. You know, the, the tough thing out of Seven Lakes, I know, is you may be pretty good. It doesn't mean you're going to be JV or varsity as a freshman. Right. And you may have, you may know a friend that you played AAU with and, oh, he's varsity over here. Well, maybe they're not as a, at a school that's as competitive. Sure. You know, if, if I, you know, if we had some kids maybe like at a Spring Woods, you know, a smaller school, maybe not as, as deep a competition, they may be varsity right away. Right. Um, and so it, it's just every situation is different. But I, I used to think like, oh, we're winning all these games at seven lakes, there's, there's no problems. Um, and I remember Dan and coach, um, and Shannon, um, both telling me like, Oh no, there's, there's, there's issues. Cause even though, you know, you, you know, we've all won 30 games or whatever this year, there's some kid that's on the bench that thinks they, they should be starting sure. or someone, uh, that is starting that feels like they should be shooting more, Yeah, you know, so just trust the process. Um, Make sure your child is enjoying the time. Don't be as negative. Uh, you know, my son is playing sports now. And, you know, sometimes you see on a team like, like, oh, you know, maybe they should be doing this. They should be running this defense or doing that. Right, right. But I don't ever tell him that. You know, I, I may think that or something. I'd be like, hey, did you have fun? Uh, how do y'all do tonight? Um, you know, and, and just, you know, just go from there. You know, we don't right. get into it. Um, the best thing is uh, he's uh, he's just swimming now. Uh, he's not playing basketball. And I don't know Jack about swimming. But <laughs> I can just be like, hey, you yeah. did a great job. And he said, oh, I messed up on a turn. It's like, man, I thought you did great. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. Yeah. You know, but um, we try to communicate with the parents. Um, and, you know, I can tell when they're kind of voicing something to me. I can I can tell what they're what they're really trying, you know, to kind of say, right. uh, so I, I try to head it off, but, you know, just try to trust us. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 you know, it's, this is a great experience. Just kind of trust what we're doing.
no doubt. And I mean, it's funny you talk about you're winning 30 games at every level. And, you know, uh, Masaki Matsumoto was one of our team player alums. And he said, it's easier to take over a bad program than a good program. So even when you're winning, there, you know, there's all kinds of things. I, that's a great point, you know, that, that you made there, Coach. Yep. All right, so we're kind of getting towards the end of the show here. This is where we just like to have a little fun, talk about some brushes of fame. And you, you've got some really good ones. Vince Young at Madison. Wow. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the same graduating class as me. So I, I really am curious to hear about that one. Andrew Luck at Stratford. I've also had the, the pleasure of going against Andrew Luck as a coach. Uh, it was actually mm-hmm. Andrew Luck versus Derek Carr when I was coaching at Clements, that was the quarterback oh, wow. in the playoffs. And we got the best of them. So we, we defeated Stratford that day uh, to move on to the playoffs. Brandon LaFell from Lamar, yeah, obviously LSU and I think uh, Bangor, yep. right? That NFL career. Mm-hmm. Uh, De'Aaron Fox for Cy Lakes. I mean, just one of the best uh, to come to the Houston yeah. area, the Sacramento now. And then Rashid Suleiman. I remember that name uh, from Straight Jesuit. Yeah. So yes, lots of, lots of great kids. Any, any just little tidbits you want to share from some of those big uh, brushes of fame? Well, uh, you know, Vince Young, that, that was like one of my first years uh, uh, coaching. And I think it may have been his junior year. I'm not, I'm not sure. But, I mean, he was just a man child. And he was just starting to get all that recognition of, like, we already knew he was good in Texas. But, like, national. Right. Uh, like, like, really, really good. Um, and he played, uh, he played guard. Uh, but. I'm glad he played like point guard because if he ever would have went inside, he would have killed us. Yeah. But uh, he played, he played some guards out there. And I mean, there was just so many great dual sport athletes in HISD In yeah. HISD kids did everything. Um, kids played baseball, basketball. I mean, you would see kids everywhere. If you were a good athlete, you were all over the place, but um, uh, yeah, you mentioned a, a lot of good ones. You could not move Andrew luck. Uh, now luck inside his his legs were like tree trunks right they were just huge and he was not a great scorer but he was an incredible rebounder he may have led like the houston area in rebounds um his his uh senior year he averaged like 10 or 12 a game always remember seeing his name in the paper that's back in in the day where you got the chronicle and you would look up stats and all that kind of cool stuff um and uh he was really good but um yeah, Andrew Luck, though, in that game against Stratford when we played at Clements, we kind of nicknamed him Andrew Truck because he trucked one of our linebackers. And I think a lot of people don't realize yeah. how big and physical he was. But, yeah, totally agree with your assessment there, Coach. Yeah, I mean, you, you just couldn't get – you couldn't move him down low. Yeah. Uh, he probably averaged like four to six points but like 12 rebounds. Sure, sure. Uh, he, was, he was just a man down there. But uh, probably, you know, we played against the Harrison Twins oh, yeah. uh, in, our, in our game to go to state. Like, we were in regionals, yeah. and we were up at halftime. Um, and, man, we I, – I thought for sure we were going to beat them, and they just came out the second half and just dominated uh, and, and also went to the free throw line like 20 times. I remember being upset about that. But that's here and over there. Uh, yeah. But they were incredible. But uh, De'Aaron Fox also knocked us out uh, in the playoffs um, in the third round. Uh, that was to go to regionals. Uh, and he, he had a squad. He had a guy named um, Nick Garth okay. that played at Lamar, was a great three-point shooter. And then Josh Nebo, who yeah. played at AM. And um, they, the, those three guys were just incredible. And he was, he was just an incredible athlete that could do 
whatever he wanted to out there. He was so fast and in control of his body. I mean, it was, you know, we we're talking about D1 players. You could just tell he was built different. Sure. He was one of those guys that's just different. Yeah, and, and shout out to those Travis teams. Uh, coach Craig Brownson, the longtime coach there uh, at, at Travis. So, yeah, you know. Great coach. Yeah, excellent Great coach. coach. Sure. Very, you know, and I know a couple guys that have been in assistance for him that yeah, they feel the same way. So, definitely great program out there at Fort Bend Travis. And your favorite teams, just to get to know you a little better, you said A&M anything. Rockets and Astros. Yes. So simple as that. I, I noticed no Texans on there. So I guess they've kind of burnt that bridge oh, with a bad when, performance. When the Oilers, yeah, when the Oilers left, it was just never the same. I, understand. I, 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 like, I agree with you. Yeah. I want to try to like the Texans, but especially what they're going through now, it's just, yeah. But I, I'm really college anything. I mean, uh AM's obviously my team, but I love college sports mm-hmm. so much. But you know, my junior and senior year in high school were when the Rockets are winning championships. Yeah. yeah. So, man, there wasn't a better time. There wasn't a better time to be uh, in Houston than like 94, 95. Those were Absolutely. great times. Absolutely. So now we're at the start bench cut portion of the show. This is we're going to put you on the hot seat, Coach. Start bench cut. All right. All right. Yep. They're, I'm going to buy you a couple minutes here. We, we thank our, our sponsor to get ready. But they're brought to you by our good friends at MVP Marketing Group, a turnkey marketing solution for schools. The CEO, Mike Vogler, is a good friend of mine. We used to work together at Dactronics. Basically, what he does is if you want to go attract sponsors to try to pump some money into your program, he's the expert at that. So he can put together a marketing plan for you and try to help you get sponsors. So if you're interested in that for your team or your district, give Mike a call. His contact is in my show notes. And he'll talk to you. If it's a good fit, he'll give you a team player podcast discount if you tell him Coach Kobo sent you. So, all right, it's time now. Let's start with a spirit of Aggie Land edition here, Coach. I'm going to go All a couple. Right. I'm going to go Aggie Hoops greats here. AC Law out of Dallas Kimball. Chris Middleton, obviously starring for the Bucks. He's still very relevant yep. uh, to this day. And then the Bald Mamba, Alex Caruso out of Ooh, A&M yeah. Saul. I was – we could put DeAndre Jordan in there, but I know he was a one-and-done guy, and I, I figured you'd, be, you'd prefer the other. So I, that's the three right. that I picked, but if you want to sub somebody, you can. But I'm asking you a start bench cut. So you got to start one, bench one, and cut one between AC Law, Chris Middleton, and Alex Caruso. Wow, those are, those are three really good players. I actually – I used to work AM's basketball camp quite a bit, and I worked, uh, worked there a couple times when Chris Middleton and Alex Caruso were there. Wow. Uh, but, man, I'm going to have to give it to AC Law, man. Uh, yep. The shot – the shot to beat UT. Yeah. You know, uh, I just I will always remember that. I used to have a picture of it. I don't know where it is now. Yeah. Uh, but he he's got to be my start. Oh man. Um, I love Caruso, but I think I'm gonna have to cut him. I'm gonna sure. say bench bench Middleton. Yep. Hey, yeah, I, those, I get those, it. I, yeah. That that's a tough one. Man, I, I love Caruso yeah. too. He really. Yeah. He really came into his own with the Lakers there. But uh, he, he, and, and he should have stayed with the Lakers. Right. If we're talking a little NBA right there, I think it was a huge miss not keeping that dude. Yeah. And now moving to the gridiron, I know your uh, Aggie football is synonymous, you know, with life for Aggie fans, yes. right? So I put a couple, you know, stars from kind of a little bit, some of it's back in the day, a little bit. I think you'll definitely recognize the name Datwin, uh, Vaughn Miller. Oh, absolutely. Of course, you know, that win, of course, Vaughn Miller, you know, just all world uh, defensive end. And then Quentin Coriat, I thought might be another name you would kind of recognize from your era. He was famous for the big hit. The hit. The, the hit, hit, baby. Yeah. Um, I, 
that was probably I had that little video on my phone. I think forever the hit yeah. against TCU I or believe so. SMU. I believe, I believe yeah, TCU, I believe. Oh my gosh, he, he! I think he broke that guy's jaw. Mm. Uh, poor guy. Um, but um, my brother was at a and when Datwin was there. Yeah. So I am a huge Datwin fan. I am too. Uh, abs- absolutely love. So he's, he's my starter. Yeah. For sure. He's my starter for her. You know, Vaughn Miller might be the better player than Quinn Coriot, but just for me and my sure. nostalgia and everything, absolutely. I'm cutting Vaughn Miller. I'm, I'm, I'm benching Coriot. Fair enough. All right. So start that yeah. win, bench Quentin Corriott. Yep. And sorry, Von Miller. You get you gotta go. Sorry, man. Yeah, I get the nostalgia. And it's your show. You can you can yeah. however you want to <laughs> move into the quarterback position. There's been some great quarterbacks to come through. And this is this is a contrast of styles here. Uh Ben Moran was my last Aggie guest, and I, I posed the same question. He kind of had some well, some people might say a surprising results, but I want to see how you approach this. Bucky Richardson. I, right. and I, he was there. I might have been maybe there, a little yeah. bit before your your time there, but you definitely know. No, Bucky. my brother was there. Your yeah, brother no, was my, there. My, so. Yeah, he, they were there at the same time because I know they went to the same parties and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yep. But and Bucky, by the way, his son is now a wide receiver at Oklahoma State, John Paul Richardson. And he played at Ridgepoint. Yep, he was at Ridgepoint. You may have heard on the Brett Sniffin episode, and I can I can vouch for this. Bucky Richardson was the best sports dad ever. And he, That's awesome. coach, coach Sniffen talks about never and Bucky ran our, our youth programs for us. And, you know, a lot of those kinds of things. Yep. And obviously he playing, he's an AM legend. He played for the Oilers I mean, he's an NFL player. He could have been one of the guys that came in and tried to throw his weight around. Never once coach Sniffen said never once did Bucky ever say anything about play calling or any kind of suggestion is always, you know, what can I do to help the program coach? And I've talked to Bucky before about what it's like to be a dad. And it's what you described. When, when John Paul comes home, he's just dad, right? He's not, he's right. not Bucky Richardson, NFL player, Aggie legend. He's just dad. And he doesn't, he doesn't get into, so Bucky Richardson, A-class person. Just want to throw that out there. Cause I kind of know him personally from the Ridgepoint experience, Ryan Tannehill. So still, you know, productive NFL career starting for the yep. Titans. And then this is kind of a divisive guy amongst Aggie fans, Johnny football. Johnny Manziel. Johnny you know, some, football, some love him. Some don't <laughs> for the way that it ended up, but. Start bench cut, Bucky Richardson, Ryan Tannehill, Johnny Manziel. So uh, kind of a, a funny story going into uh, the Bucky Richardson. Um, my, my brother, the, my brother that went to A&M, um, his, uh, his kids have all gone through Ridgepoint. Like he has one more that's going through Ridgepoint right now. So cool. he played on one of the youth teams with, uh, with Bucky where uh, – uh, Bucky's son was playing yeah uh and stuff now he went swimming and he swims at Trinity now um and everything but um so we know them uh a little bit now I I'm I'm personally okay I'm gonna cut Ryan Tannehill okay uh that's my cut I'm gonna go with Johnny as my starter okay and not that I was a fan of all of his stuff and I thought you know you know he kind of know could have had a better career if he kind of got out of his own way you know and stuff like that uh and I know I know Bucky's a a great guy because my brother said it you said it yeah uh, things like that but just what Johnny was able to do for A&M kind of to usher in the the SEC start and to bring the money to A&M and and stuff like that I and just 
his wins, his games, I, I still love watching some of those games. They're just amazing. And I remember watching him just being amazed. I, I'm going to go with Johnny as my starter, Bucky as my, as my backup. Um, uh, my brother always says he wondered what Bucky would have been like if he was in social media, um, in the social media craze. But he, because he was a guy that was just a good old boy that uh, could get after it and stuff. But he was a, a great person. Uh, but I'm going to have to start Johnny. I'm going to have to start Johnny. I'm with you. And it's interesting. Ben Moran kind of did the opposite. He cut Johnny Manziel. Yeah. And, Ooh, and I, yeah. I think, I think a little bit of the off the field stuff maybe factored into that, but I, th- I think that Ben Moran uh, started Ryan Tannehill benched Bucky and cut Manziel. So at the end of the day, gotcha. everybody wants Bucky on their team. That That's the common denominator is that even if he's not starting, yes. people want Bucky Richardson on team because of the quality of his character. All right, let's go to the oh, and just tough as nails and man. tough he as yeah. tough. Or a running quarterback back then. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So now now turning our, our attention to hoops. We got two more here going to Rockets edition. Let's go. Let's go on the front court first, coach. We got Dream, Kim Olajuwon, Yao. Hey, I can stop you right there. I can stop you right there. Yeah. It is gonna be start dream and cut whoever else. I am the biggest, <laughs> biggest dream fan. Uh Akeem is awesome, man. I, he he is just awesome. Okay, who are the other two guys? Well, another little it. fun story though. His son, or uh, his son, now plays for the Clements Rangers. Yeah, you may have yes. you may have saw that name, Elijah Wonka. I know you're, you're obviously you're coaching high love basketball. Oh. So you may have seen that name in the box scores. But uh, Coach Derek Ruthard, who's my good friend, who's the offensive coordinator at Clements, he says at practice, Hakeem Elijah will be like walking around the track just getting his exercise and it's just yep. the craziest thing here's this hall of famer just getting his steps in for the day and he's, su- he's just such a nice guy but the other two so this is okay so now it's down to two who are you going to bench who are you going to cut okay Yao Ming or Dwight Howard okay Yao Ming is my my backup cutting Dwight Miller uh Dwight Howard so it sounds yeah. like you it sounds like you're you're not a big Dwight Howard fan so just give us what's what's the snap nah. there no nah, I'm, I'm just not a huge fan I think he's an unbelievable specimen um of a human but i, I you know yao he was an all-star every single sure. year uh average 19 and like 10 something like that um i know he's not the athlete um uh, that that dwight is but um yeah that, that's a pretty easy pick for me for for me that, that that's a pretty easy pick sure and I, i'm a huge yao fan as well so i totally get that and the last one Clyde Drexler, native Houstonian, went to HISD Sterling High School, and of course, mm-hmm. U of H Cougars. James Harden, some again, this is kind of divisive, like Johnny Manziel. Some love him, some hate him. And the last guy, Steve Francis, the franchise. So after all that success, you know, in 94, uh, 94, 95, you know, there was a down period, right. and then Steve was kind of ushering yeah. like the, the, new, the new age. So uh, start bench cut, Clyde Drexler, James Harden, Steve Francis. You know, all those are good guys. I, I think I got to go with Clyde as my starter. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a hometown boy. I mean, you know, went to Sterling, went to U of H, yeah. uh, and then came back home. And, and he had some great teams at Portland, uh, you know, before he came back here. He's definitely my starter. Um, I'm not a fan of the ISO basketball. Now, I love what what – the Rockets do with analytics mm-hmm. and we're, we're big on analytics. That's something that we've changed at seven lakes the last few years is we, we, we go into that. Uh, and I know the Rockets do as well, but I, I still think Harden is a better player. Um, yeah. 
than than Francis. So I'm going to have to bench Harden and cut Steve. Fair but enough. Steve was a good player. Yeah. No, no, fair enough. And that that was uh that was great. I love it. You had very uh well thought out responses for all those. And those are tough questions. If you enjoyed this episode yeah. as much as I did, please just take the ten seconds, give us a five star review, and also word of mouth is huge. We're, we've really gotten a lot of good positive feedback, a lot of good five star reviews, and so it's just people telling telling somebody about the show. So if you like this, that's all we're trying to do is just attract like minded people and celebrate great coaches. Hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new new episodes as soon as they come out each week. Uh, Sunday at 2 p.m. You have a new episode. Just hit that follow button. You can follow me on Twitter at coach underscore Kobo. That's coach underscore K-O-V-O. If you're loving the team player podcast, hit us up on Twitter or, or send me an email, teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. Let us know somebody that should be on the show or anything that at all. We, we would love to. We, we're a community here. We lift up our own inside the team player nation. So please feel free to reach out at any time. As always, the cover art and music for the team player podcast are provided by two of my former players. The cover art is by Kaiser St. Cyr. And our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough uh, from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Thank you so much, Coach Cole, for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure. Coach, man, I appreciate everything that you're doing. I think it's really awesome what you're doing uh, for coaches, just kind of uh, spreading what they're all about and, and just how we're in it for the right reasons for the kids. I I love what you're doing. Uh, I think you're a great coach and just even better person. Appreciate, Appreciate that, man. Coach. Thank you so much. Thank you to all the team players out there for your support, and we'll catch you all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough, but I need one more boy. And one more line, record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy 